0: Ready?
1: Are you prepared to be scared? I'm prepped. We're about to put the monster in Monstova.
0: And it's gonna get spooky now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The following film contains some scenes that may be frightening for some viewers. Watch out for boos and bangs. And oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming moments. Cuz they're in there. Parental guidance is recommended. Ooh.
0: In front of your TV sets for the marathon and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking, it's almost time. Party,
1: Week on Cinemodities. I want to start by asking Zach a very important question: Where do you want to sleep tonight, Zach? That's a stupid question to ask.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everybody in the audience pictures Zach and us kissing right now, <laughs> and
2: then awkward like thrusting and just like part side boob, and then oh yeah, it's 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 a weird set unsexy sexy sex scene. Zach is eighty. I am
1: 20. (laughs) All right. What a way to kick off our final episode of Monstober, unless some crazy interjection of Dr. Sleep comes in. Oh, it will. I don't know if Zach's going to even—Zach might bleep that out in editing. Uh, But we have made it through another Monstober season. This was the spot that I think uh, we mentioned in previous episodes was kind of up for debate zach was unsure of what he wanted here he was throwing things at me and we finally settled on if you've i'm sure already seen the title halloween three season of the witch
0: you got to pick up every stitch you got to pick up every stitch you got to pick up every stitch must be the season of the witch must be the season of the witch
3: yeah must be the season of the
1: witch which isn't really a halloween movie but i guess we'll get into all of that and i want to throw it over to Zach, because my context of course is a subset of his since he uh, sent this to me why was this on the list for monstober as far as you're concerned
2: Alrighty, folks. Before we get into Halloween three, some more about The Shining. I forgot <laughs> to mention last week. No, no, I can't. I think I think I finally. Rob finally has learned after a year and a half what it felt like for all the Animal Collective episodes and all the oh god uh, voice recording Artist ones where it was just like okay, Rob, we get it. You like this thing, <laughs> um, but no, no, no more about that. No, Halloween three. The reason why it was on the list for so long is that it's always been. Oh God! It's it's definitely an anomaly in a cinematic Hollywood sense oh, yeah. because it's it's kind of this kind of like oh God! It was a grand experiment without anybody ever being aware that it was going to be such a thing. Um, I guess I'll just wrap some of my context into this instead of saving it for later. It was that I remember back when I was younger before I really I think before I even had any sort of grasp on any of the. Um, like the the slasher icons, the slasher titans, your Freddies, your Jason's, your Michael Myers and I remember when I was younger, when I was in Florida, I always, I, mean, I was always aware of these characters. But I remember seeing this at one point, point. I remember being like, "My mom, I think I saw it on TV." Like it's like, "Oh, Halloween's on TV." I remember my mother being in the area when it was on. I remember watching it, being like, "This isn't Halloween." Like, like <laughs> well, what? Yeah, yeah. What got one-
1: mislabeled?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was like oh, like I guess it's just again I, to a kid it was like oh, it's a Halloween movie like it takes place at Halloween and I didn't really remember anything about it I just remember I just remember like for years just having a memory of this Halloween movie in like in name only and then back in college like I really wanted to watch it and unlike Rob like I've said in the past I do I did not learn how to torrent out of the womb and I tracked down a copy at my local Fye it had both um Halloween two the Jamie the, the 19 sequel, not the the 2018 version or whatever mm-hmm. we call mm-hmm. that. And it had this as a double feature. And I think it was only like $8. And I'm like, okay, two movies for the price of one. This is cool. And I watched it and I remember kind of just being amused by it more than anything else, not really particularly being like enthralled with it. And it's always kind of been one of those things, the back of my mind, that's always it's always been a unique movie. And I think that's been the biggest thing. It always kind of like it it stood out in more ways than one. And then I've, it's always been on the short list for Monstober. I think this is another one that was always there. Because I really do feel it was something. Because like I've said in previous episodes. Like when it came to things like Dead Alive. In that there's things that I have a preconceived notion of for, for Monstober. Again like your reanimator. But a lot of it just falls into the trap of. Oh how do we compare it to this? So this Monstober really did kind of like. Cause quite the challenge for me. In that okay I have to pick things. That are in the realm of things that I like. But at the same time, though, can't be in that category of like a dead alive, where it's just like gore, like campy gore to the like dialed up to the eleventh degree. And unfortunately, that's kind of like that's my bread and butter when it comes to a lot of horror movies. I love campy, over the top horror. So I had to find things that were still kind of like in that realm, but weren't exactly like that wouldn't try to compete with a dead alive because if they did, they would fail. Are you and saying? That,
1: are you saying uh, this is a this challenge for you, this Monstober, was a good thing or a bad thing? did you welcome this challenge or are you angry at me for, you know, or this podcast for opposing this
2: challenge? <laughs> no, I I think when Rob suggested, I forget, I think again, I think you suggested Dead Alive very casually and I went along with it. But then, like, as I, I think I said it in the Dead Alive recording, like, the more and more I went on, like, watching that, I'm like, oh, God, like, there's a corner of the cinematic canon now that's closed off forever. Or not that it's closed off, yeah. but like, it is a definitive corner because there are so many things like that, like Reanimator, which I, I've watched Reanimator more times than Dead Alive, where it's like, oh, we can't ever talk about Reanimator because most of the conversation will just be, oh, it's good, but it's not as good as Dead Alive. Sure. And that's kind of where it's like Not that it's bad, I don't think it's bad or good It's just the notion that like most of my Low-hanging fruit for a month Stober Went out the window with Dead Alive So it kind of caused me to kind of go back And like anything in life, I think the more thought You put into anything, the better it is Um, Because I do think Halloween Season 3 Of The Witch deserves some highlight what minimal spotlights and can provide it because oh, it is one of those yeah. movies that yeah. still a lot of people overlook and they look down upon I looked up the IMDB rating for this movie it absolutely shocked me um especially when you compare it to the other films of the Halloween uh, franchise if you can even call it that well, I don't um, even want to
1: know I don't even want to know it and I think we'll get into that how I also I uh, hope that we can shed some light on Halloween 3, but I have to say, it's been a while since I said it, but that was a great, once again, Zach, that was a great politician's answer. <laughs> you were like, it wasn't bad or good, this is just the world I live in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be fair, so that, ta- I, I that think time I mean- it wasn't on purpose, though. Like That was that was a, like, that. that's the answer I would give, regardless of whether the mic was recording any of this. <laughs>
1: Fair fair And I, I think I have to appreciate that To some extent where it's not You're not like I'm overly enthused about this podcast You're not like I hate this podcast You're just like this is life This is what I
2: need to do <laughs> To be fair I do hate this podcast When it revolves around like the sketch comedy fort Like that was a point where it's like I hate Like I was kind of doing one of these things It was kind of like The Shining again Where I'm going around like I'm going to murder the Cinematis podcast I have my axe and I'm like I'm going to find it And just like, like give me the bat Give me the bat Give me the bat and it's like, uh, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. All sketch comedy and no movies makes Zach go crazy.
1: <laughs> exactly. Bingo, folks. Bingo. Oh,
2: how did the hell did we get back on The Shining? Folks, we are, there's a good possibility. Considering that we have three episodes about Animal Collective, there is a very real possibility that there's another shot. There's going to be a Doctor Sleep episode, folks. Like that's The more and more I think about it, just so I can rant more, It's even if we don't see the movie, it's going to happen.
1: <laughs> I like
2: that. Zach's
1: like Rob or no Rob. I'm going to record something and upload it to Podbean.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh But one quick, before Rob, you get into Halloween three, I, cause considering we've spent a lot of time discussing like what was on the short list for monster over this year, I'd like to give a rundown for, I have the spreadsheet. Oh, up, And we're, and oh, we're going to take a peek yeah. behind the curtain and I'm going to read off what was on the short list That's and the a- short Great idea. I love that idea. So um, The short list, keep in mind is Goosebumps, I Goosebumps. There was
1: like sixteen thousand other episodes of Goosebumps I wanted to talk about. So well, let me run well, down well. those as well. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> I want on the record that the short list for Stober twenty nineteen was twenty two films long.
1: I, I remember a few of them. Is there a certain order you want to go oh, in?
2: I, I'm going to go straight from the top because it's it's in I guess chronological order. The first film for Stober discussion or suggested by me. This is all me, by the way. Rob has no input on this. Um, Overlord. Next one was Spring. It well, follows- no, the first one is Secret Film. Oh yeah, this, I'm look. This is
1: Secret. Oh. Fi- what was see? This is this is. What Zach does to me. Zach teaches me for months saying that there's going to be movies he's going to tell me about and send me. Like, he's going to send it to me and it's going to be Mission Impossible style. I got to watch it in the next two hours or it'll self destruct. And then it'll it melt his hard drive, happens. folks. And then, and then literally we get to Mon Stober and he's like, Yeah, can you watch this and figure something out? And I'm like, Zach, what's happened?
2: <laughs> to be fair, there's only one movie. That now is because for the most part, I've walked away from this. I know Rob. Does, Rob does not. If I tell Rob not to research something, I feel that will cloud his in a weird way. A reverse, re, uh, eh, reverse cloud his judgment because like he likes doing research. That's part of his thing. So like, when he if he goes into it knowing what to look for, that'll make him much more open to the film. Whereas if I throw him into the deep end, where I appreciate that, that's just not the way you get something to work for Rob. Which is a lesson I've learned from the men, women, and children episode. Oh yeah. Uh, yep, yeah, even though, uh, yeah,
1: that that's a good lesson, even though the content of Men, Women, and Children added to that, my response to it, but but no, uh, you're not wrong.
2: All right, but no, the first one is Secret Film, which will I'd be willing to bet that will be up there next time as well. Is it um, Society? My, no, it's not Society. <laughs> um, no, uh, the thing, the reason why I didn't do Secret Film this year was... Because I feel that it would compete, it would be in the same realm as like the Ted Bundy movie. Something happens in secret film halfway through. that I was, don't like this. I don't like, like, it's just, for, you're saying secret film
1: like it's the name of the movie. It's not. You I'm, just don't want to tell me what it is. I don't you know like what, this,
2: <laughs> You know what it is, folks. I'm going to give him secret film one day. And he's not going to know that's what it was. I might have secret film already. There's a good chance that he might have this already. I've never told him what it
1: was. I feel I've never felt more alienated from you in the audience than
2: this conversation said. It's fine. You're not missing much. We're going to get to that film one day. You're going to be like, Zach, this is what you've been building up to for two and a half years. I the other sad thing is now I might not be able to ever show him this film because I've built it up so high, folks. Oh, he, it's the true he,
1: secret film then.
2: Much like the the oh god, the omen scene from the shining in the hospital. We might not ever be able to talk about this film because I've built it up so much now.
1: I'm gonna get um, one line in Zach's will, and it will be get, for the the lawyer to tell me what the secret film is after Zoom. No, Zach you'll, get, no on. you'll
2: get you'll get the shooting script with no title in Polaroids of certain shots from the film of me photographing <laughs> my television set. And Rob will be like, "What does any of this mean? How do I decipher any of this?" Um, But anyway, though, we have a secret film, Overlord, Spring. It follows, which I turned
1: down. I do want to mention. I I turned down. It follows.
2: It follows probably would have been on the list if Rob would have agreed to. We probably would have gotten to that this year. That movie Uh, offended. Yes, it did. (laughs) Um, A Friday the Thirteenth film, probably Jason X. At one point, maybe Freddy versus Jason. Um, Halloween twenty eighteen. Which I liked Yes he did Devil's Rejects, Sleepaway Camp The Shining That's crossed out because we did it (laughs) Yes we did The Purge, The Mummy 2017 Scanners Which we might have done Except for the fact that when we were discussing something on Knights of Vader And Rob's like Zach I hate movies Where people just like like have mind battles And just wave at each other I'm like well there goes Scanners We can never talk about that Mm -hmm. now
1: Scanner, yeah, I, I referenced what Dark
2: City and that scanners yeah. is another great example. Yep, and yes, yes, we're never gonna do scanners that can be stricken off the list permanently. Um, Midsummer, which I still haven't watched with an Come- A <laughs> because and because there's mid-summer. another one with an,
1: with an E that I, I got, which I thought was this one, one was wrong. So, yes,
2: it was. You know. Yes, we have Hereditary American Werewolf in London. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, 2003, the remake. Halloween 3: Season of the Witch, which should be crossed off. Demon Night. No, we haven't done it yet. It oh, can't be done- crossed off if we haven't done oh, it yet. yet. Yes, you're right. You're Rob. You're-, <laughs> you're. We're yes, literally Rob- recording that episode right now. It's like hot. Cut- 20% off. okay there we go We'll have to figure out how to do that in a spreadsheet How to cross off something 20% Well no I'm just gonna I'll hi- highlight like the first
1: four Letters and just put oh, the structure through them Good
2: good good um, Demon Knight the Ted Bundy movie The Neon Demon which I think Rob you were what Kind of lukewarm on I, I enjoyed Neon Demon
1: but I didn't feel It was a Monstober movie
2: Okay I think we're going to save that maybe for like a pure cinema Like, okay. I two. just, I just put a strike through,
1: through H a L L on Halloween three season, witch and uploaded it to Dropbox. So we're good. Everybody who's worrying about the, uh, veracity of the spreadsheet.
2: It's, it's on point. Don't worry. All right. And throughout the episode, he'll be crossing off the letters as we progress through this recording <laughs> in real time. Um, okay. Hardware, which was kind of like our de facto, if we couldn't, if I couldn't figure out anything else.
1: Yeah and I think I, I I think I briefly mentioned it to you off mic that I uh, felt that that would be strange to do so close to our terminator stuff.
2: Yes, that was another one of those ones. Yeah, it felt awkward to do. Um then the last Great movie one, though. Great movie. Yes. And the last one is Double Double Toil and Trouble the Mary Kate and Ashley <laughs> Halloween like <laughs> direct to video movie. I remember when you like suggest
1: you were telling me about that and then, like the following week, you were like, "No, no, no, we can't do that. We will have to do a Mary Kate and Ashley series one day." <laughs> no, I suggested
2: the mini series first. Then I oh, watched it, the- oh, okay. it and I said, "Rob, as much as fun it would be to watch this, there's nothing to make fun of it about. Like it's it's for a kiddie like TV, sh- like directed like video movie with two like kids that are like six years old. There's nothing bad about it. Like it's corny." but it's intended to be corny for kids. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, we like maybe if like Rob and I ever like did like a public screening of something to watch, like be like, okay, <laughs> we're going to like find like, I don't know, like a screening room and like show this, then that would be a fun idea with a group of people. But it's not one of those things to like do a comment, like to re- like watch and record like an hour discussion about, right. like there's, there's no substance heard. there.
1: I've never seen it. So I can't comment on that, but I believe Zach wholeheartedly <laughs> that, uh, that that's the case about that film or t- short or whatever the hell it's classified as
2: direct-to-video feature <laughs> my favorite <laughs> all right halloween three season the witch after that 10 minute long detour rob please tell us whatever you're going to say before we got off track um
1: uh i don't know what i was gonna say when we got off track but i guess we should start with a summary because i have a summary of this film oh, like, okay. we've Like we've discussed, uh, this is not a Halloween movie in the sense that anyone would expect because there's no Michael Myers. And Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the only Halloween film that does not have Michael Myers, at least as a character. He does appear on a screen within this movie, um, but he's not an actual part of it. So, okay. Andrew Packard faked his death. In Twin Peaks. you Remember the Packard sawmill. Zach. Sure. So from the from the very start. You know Josie Packard is the main character. With Pete Martell. Uh, running the mill. And Andrew Packard is presumed to be dead. Andrew Packard. In the l- second half of season two. Comes back to life. You know he, he reveals he's not actually dead. He doesn't come back to life. He reveals that he faked his death kind of thing. And he has a role to play. Before he gets blown up. Uh, in the bank with Audrey Horne and the season two finale of Twin Peaks. This movie dives into what Andrew Packard was doing while he, everyone in Twin Peaks thought he was dead. And Andrew Packard turns out to be a warlock who (laughs) wants to make kids heads or bodies. I think that's something we'll have to discuss bodies or heads or both. What was it? He wants to turn children's bodies or heads into flash incubators for reptiles and insects. And the way he plans to do this is by stealing a pillar from Stonehenge and dissecting it and placing it into parts of Halloween masks. Little does he know Tom Atkins is such a badass doctor who's having sex with a woman clearly less than half his age is going to stop him. And then the movie ends on a sad note, and I loved it. So that's my summary, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Did I leave anything out?
2: <laughs> uh, just, just a couple of things here and there, but overall on point.
1: So I, I want to mention, because Zach, after we watched this film, uh, Zach sent me a YouTube video, uh, which was exploring good bad flicks. There, I, I really like that YouTube channel ever since Zach has introduced me to him. They did an exploring video about Halloween 3, doing a bunch of beso- behind the scene facts. I'm upset that they don't mention that the guy who plays the main villain in this movie is Andrew Packard from Twin Peaks. They say he's best known from, like, RoboCop and the man from Uncle. But no, he's Andrew Packard from Twin Peaks. I'm sure Zach is now going to tell me he does not remember this in the slightest. <laughs> I do not
2: remember this in the slightest, folks. Oh,
1: man, those those good, like, five episodes of
2: Twin Peaks late second season he was on, right? I, I I couldn't. I, in all honesty, folks, when he started telling me about this, I'm like, I don't. I, I guess he's just making things up to be cute.
1: <laughs> no. So his name is Cochrane in this film. I think Connell yes, right. Cochrane. He is the main villain in Halloween three. Um, he's played by a guy named Dan Hurley. Who was, of course, Andrew Packard in Twin Peaks. And that's exactly where I knew him from And the whole time I was watching this. I was like, that's Andrew Packard. He went from running the sawmill to running the no- shamrock novelties.
2: That, that, so, yeah, he's an evil dude in <laughs> both. It just makes sense. It's character consistent. Well, he's, I, I think he is mostly known now from RoboCop because he's in the second RoboCop, too. Yeah, he what, he's like the director or the he's a the, CEO. He's a CEO of OmniCorp, and he yeah. he has a much more flashier role in the second film where he's really like chewing on the scenery. Um, RoboCop two maybe be maybe being a movie we cover someday, so I don't want to get too far into it. But yeah, he's no he's he's a great bad guy. He's a great Bond villain. That's how I've described him like <laughs> over the years. He's a he's essentially a Bond villain in most of the films where he is playing a villain.
1: Oh, yeah, his slow clap at the end of this movie is fantastic. I love that scene. But uh, I guess before we get any further, I do have to say, as I often do, this is another one of those movies that falls into the category of I never, ever would have watched this if it were not for you, Zach. I never would have put any time or effort into looking into this film if somebody recommended it to me other than you and realized it didn't have Michael Myers in it. I'm so glad that you introduced this to me and we get to discuss it because I loved it. I loved this movie. I thought this was so much fun. I was on board from start to finish. So thank you, Zach. Once again, I think what's that two
2: weeks, two two or three weeks in a row now that's happened. Wow, folks, I got I got two home runs in monstober. Yeah, monstober is a good good month for you. (laughs) See, folks, I know my arena. I, I know when to. Uh. Play out the good silverware. Oh, um, I, I think it's it's come up before, and I want
1: to say it right out of the, the gate. You know, I've said it uh, probably on here, definitely on Knights of Vader, the Star Wars podcast. You know, I love movies when they have a departure from what they're known for. That was one of my biggest things with Solo. I love that Solo didn't have any talk about the Force or the Jedi, and then we just get to see one lightsaber. It's a Star Wars movie without what we think of in a Star Wars movie. This was a Halloween movie without my preconceived notions of what a Halloween movie should be. And that's what I live for. And I'm sure we're going to get into this. I wish more people lived for that. That's clearly what doomed this movie, that it didn't have those features. But I am a truly happy recipient of it.
2: Yeah, the magical phrase, subverting of expectations. It's a beautiful thing, and sadly, every time a creative person does it, they get punished for it. That's that's a sad reality of the situation we live in currently. Yep, it's a bummer. Yeah, so no, okay, the plot to this movie that doesn't involve the warped, like, throwing in of uh, Twin Peaks plot lines <laughs> is... Um, Stonehenge gets yeah. stolen. Well, that does happen. That does happen. that part I can't argue with though, but no, we have a, a toy maker, or basically what happens is that Tom Atkins, and I'd say he's kind of like in the same realm as like a Bruce Campbell in the sense that like he's kind of this this rugged but quasi handsome man yeah. that that he's a doctor in this, a very alcoholic doctor in this. he encounters <laughs> what very <laughs> is an alcoholic more like. I'd say he's kind of on the fringes
1: of alcoholism. He's not oh, quite there.
2: Oh, my ass. He's he's in a bar at 10 a.m. He goes off with his little, like, under—oh, God. Half-his-age girlfriend with a six-pack. Like, come on. He's drinking booze from the homeless guy behind the, the motel I feel, alley. I feel like, come like this, on, is, this would
1: be a bonus episode that Zach and I would have to do in person. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about
2: alcoholism. <laughs> so, um, but no, so he's a Tom Atkins is to the doctor. He uncovers a conspiracy involving Halloween masks. And over the course of the film, he has to figure out how he's going to stop this vast conspiracy.
1: Yes. Uh, I do want to say, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well. This movie felt like a really enjoyable episode of Goosebumps to me. Like the plot. The storyline was self-contained and it was goofy enough to keep it going, goofy fun, everything I'm looking for in a MonStober movie. That's I think what I what I really liked about it was I was, you know, kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm with it. I want to know what happened to this this woman's father. What happens with these masks? And I was just it was great. It was so
2: much fun. As I was doing research on this, and I listened to uh, a podcast that I quasi listened to, and they did an episode on Halloween Three, season of the Witch, and they were very hard on this film. Okay. The weird thing was like, wait, because like they were like kind of crapping on it because one, of the, I think one of the people, because there's like, oh god, it's got to be at least four or five people on that podcast, and they a lot of them talk over each other. Jeez. And they were saying they're actually pretty funny though. But they were saying something like one of the people was like, Oh, I like this film, like in an unironic sort of way, like genuinely like it. And they're like, Get the F out of here. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, because I know, like in the horror community, this like people like me have really kind of tried to rally around this film. I know now that it has a like a decent following. Okay. I looked into it and I looked on IMDb, and out of all the Halloween sequels. This has the second to lowest rating. Oh my god. This is another Terminator 3: Rise of the Machines. And there's like like I can't even tell you how many Halloween films there are. There's Halloween, Halloween 2, this for uh Return of Michael Myers, yep. the 5th one, uh Curse of Michael Myers, there's H2O, there's Resurrection,
1: yeah, there's Michael The
2: Rod Zombie. <laughs> like
1: so- uh, soldado
2: myers come on rob what's the easiest one now halloween 2 what
1: confessions of a michael myers
2: confessions of a trick baby michael myers of a trick baby yes um like there's like over like there's got to be a dozen halloween <laughs> crimes of michael myers crimes of michael myers uh, michael myers two. electric boogaloo yeah oh, um fallen michael myers um Oh God! It goes on and on, folks. The the amount of the subtitles you can have for movies now. Still, Confessions of a Trick Baby will be hard to top. But no, so like the only other Halloween film that has a lower ranking than this is is Halloween Resurrection, and that's okay. the one where Jamie Lee Curtis dies in the first like five minutes. Uh, I've
1: never seen that one. I think
2: that's the cool. I think that's the Coolio one where I, they, like they have like a like that was right after the Blair Witch came out. So they have like they send a bunch of people into like a house. With, like, webcams like, strapped to their head. And they, like, they're like, sur- I'm not joking. And they have to, like, survive the night. And Michael Myers, like, picks them off one by one. There's no way for them to get out of the house. Because, like, oh, they locked it until, like, like daybreak. And that's Halloween the 6.
1: Internet journalism. <laughs> More like Halloween, like, 8. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: <laughs> it's that high up. No, but, like, that's the only other film that has a lower ranking, this one. And you look at, like, I've seen every Halloween film. And... Not including, like, oh god, this I would say this is the second best Halloween film, depending on what you think of the 2018 like soft reboot. Because these, like, it's hard to say like, like, sequel in the sense because they are again, this is such a different film, Season of the Witch, than any of the others, definitely. But I genuinely, like, if you like horror films, I don't know how you can dislike this movie, yeah. That
1: this was such a great little, like I said before, self contained tiny horror story it's perfect
2: yeah and that's the part that kind of like fascinates me in that like if you like i okay when this came out in what 1982 i get why people rejected this at the time because like I on the Blu-ray, I have they have like a couple of trailers, couple of TV spots, and they really play up the fact that it's the third movie, and they even use like a repurposed tagline from the first film. The oh. first film's tagline being like "The night he came home," and in this, like "The night no one comes home," and <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, I get it." Like I what? But everybody has to come home to watch the commercial, right? Rob, don't don't question it, Rob. What? Silver Shamrock, <laughs> <Say a rock. laughs> no, there's a lot of because that was one of the things too. Like in the podcast discussion, I was listening to, and for once, it, w- it was a bunch of dudes. I think one woman, and they, none of the dudes had like any feelings for a woman. It was very refreshing listening to that sort of podcast. Blasphemy. me, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Don't they know the rules? There's there's guidelines to follow. <laughs> God damn it. Um, But no, like, they were talking about, they're like, there's so many plot holes in this, so many things are inconsistent, and they're like, how on earth did they, like, like, what is the point, like, how does the mask, like, make people's heads melt, why would, like, like, how are they shaving Stonehenge and putting it into a little microchip, and it's like, and one of the people was, like, the the starch defender of this, and they're like, it doesn't matter, like, none of this matters, like, it's a, like you were saying, it's, it's a very pulpy horror story. And it's not meant to be dissected in any sort of meaningful, proper way. Did they? Did uh, was someone's gripe
1: with this literally? How did how did they take Stonehenge and put it into microchips? Something like that. Like how they that's, get it
2: into how they get. That's it into literally like what
1: technology is. Like titanium and shit is is the natural resource that we. Turn into electronics. It was something that, like that. That's, not, that's bonkers to me. But I'm not surprised that people are angry about this movie for stupid reasons.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Um and a part of it too is like how they get Stonehenge like into the um like the room. If you think about like where the room was that says no, like no admittance, it's like, oh, how'd they get it up there? How are they able to like like in how, what is the geography of the of the factory? All this sorts of stuff. Like, oh, how like if you if your idea is to make all these kids like heads melt at Halloween time in front of the TV, it's like, oh, like are the parents all gonna die? Because the parents die from what? Like one gets bit by a snake during that one sequence, the mother like yeah. dies of like like what panic.
1: Yeah, she, she like freaks out and falls over and then gets like consumed by bugs, but the the father gets bitten on the leg by a few snakes, yep.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of just like it's it's the last Jedi thing where it's like, "Oh, we don't like this because it's not what we expected, so we're going to tear it apart." Yeah, and that's what I don't
1: get. You know, that's what I loved about it. This was the furthest thing from what I expected and that's why I loved it.
2: Yeah, and I think okay, because uh, this is one of those films where I don't know like I really enjoy it. Obviously, we're talking about it. And I think of a lot of Mont Stober, it comes to things that it's things that I appreciate and I admire. But I do, I think this is gonna be a very fun conversation for like late night movie and cinematis ranking because I when you give somebody and I think they talked about it in the video you I gave you, and there's a behind the scenes documentary on the Blu-ray, where they talk about they're like, Oh, this movie was always doomed because if we didn't call it Halloween three, we would never have been given the money to make this. Mm-hmm. But by calling it Halloween three, we doomed it because people go in with a preconceived idea of what to expect. Yeah, yeah.
1: And they so- mentioned that in the good bad good bad flicks video where it's like what got the movie made was actually its curse.
2: Yeah, and I think that, again, I I know in one of the, I I forget a lot, the guy who did the Good Bad Flicks video, he pulled most of his information from the Blu-ray, because as I watched it again today, I'm like, oh, like, literally, he just kind of repackaged it and put it on YouTube. Um, But no, so a lot of that comes comes down to this, because again, you have 1978, you have Halloween. 1981, you have Halloween 2. Then you have this the very next year. Okay. And they were probably shooting this As the second film was being released If I had to guess Because I, I, I know obviously we're talking about within Like a year of release And by the time this was coming out Halloween 3 You already had Like God You already had a second Friday the 13th film Yeah So you do have this thing of like Okay the marketplace is changing In these sort of Like movies that were more like One off stories Yes the, the marketplace was much more fertile for them Than they are now Um now, obviously, now everything is just brands and franchises, mm-hmm. but you had more of a chance. And I wonder because I know at one point Tommy Lee Wallace, the director of this film, he even says it like, it's like nobody thought of this, including myself, that maybe the marketing for this film should have kind of pointed people in the right direction a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Because as like, I know Robin brought to me kind of like a running gag out of this on Cinematis is my uh year of figuring out what the origins of the slasher genre. And I never even thought of it this way, but, like, Halloween really was the the film, the germ, that caused the industry to explode with knockoffs and copycats. Okay. And and I know I've told Rob that, like, okay, the origins of the slasher genre, it's either Friday the 13th, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or Psycho. And even though, obviously, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a a watershed moment in the genre— It didn't really produce a lot of imitators Mm -hmm. and As we all know with the adage of Imitation is the highest form of flattery It was Halloween that egged that on Not Chainsaw Massacre Because Halloween and Season of the Witch Pretty much have the exact same crew Working them And I think that's very evident because both films are I think are shot very well. They're very competently made. They both have a very similar soundtrack. They have a they both have almost an identical kind of like ambiance, as in this like perpetual sense of dread that just kind of permeates them throughout their entire runtime until it crescendos in the last like five minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Basically both films don't end until they run out of gas By the last, what, two, three minutes <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know Rob hasn't seen the original Halloween in a while But that film pretty much just kind of like It gets you to that climax and it ends
1: Yeah, that sounds too scary
2: <laughs> <laughs> But that's pretty much what this film does too It really doesn't let go of you until the credits Yeah, absolutely You're, you're
1: along for that ride the entire time It never slows down, absolutely
2: and that's the thing that I find interesting Is that like yes Audiences in 1982 Aren't as and this. I, it kind of pains me to say this Aren't as sophisticated as audiences of today um, <laughs> And I kind of say that in a weird way Wanting to contradict myself yeah. Because like nowadays If you release um, I don't know You release a movie that's part of a franchise Or something like that And it's a little bit different from everything else it at least now has a chance to find an audience yep absolutely it might not do phenomenally well on like in like in theaters but it does have a chance to kind of rally somewhere yeah. further on down the line mm-hmm. whereas in 1982 this really was kind of the god this is the, the summer of et so you were the blockbuster culture still wasn't 100% 100% cemented yeah so you did i so it's weird to think that like people would go see this and be so unforgiving of it at the time,
1: yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think it comes back down to that whole you know it wasn't what they expected type of thing it's uh it's unfortunate, but uh, i I guess that's just kind of what we're learning is human nature almost
2: well i, I yes and no, because i. I'm trying to put my like, my head into the mind of somebody that was around in 1982. Because that was the same summer, too, where The Thing bombed. John Carpenter's The Thing bombed.
1: Oh, okay. And
2: that's considered now one of the greatest horror films of all time. Love that movie. And that's what I mean. though. the thing about it. these films, bo- both of these films, both involving John Carpenter to th- varying degrees, came out within a few months of each other. hmm And yet they both bombed. And yet, look at, God, what... Almost 40 years later, we're still talking about them. Yeah. Like, there's more people today talking about the thing than there are E.T. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. And that's the kind of point I'm trying to get at is why. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. The box office does go back to 1982. Because you look at like the top 10 like highest grossing films of 1982, and you have Mm E.T., Tootsie, (laughs) an <laughs> officer and a gentleman which i've never heard of rocky three porky's star trek 2 the wrath of khan 48 hours poltergeist okay this film being maybe the greatest title of all time the best little whorehouse in texas <laughs> and number and number 10 being annie okay and think about those films like The film out of all those that we still talk about to this day, I'd say is The Wrath of Tootsie.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Got that wrong, <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, I, you look at all those films, and those are the like the only one that we really still talk Yes, Rocky, we still talk about the Rocky series because Sylvester Stallone's still making those films.
1: Yeah, but but I, I hear what you're saying. Those the things that we still talk about in there are the franchises, not those actual specific films.
2: But no, that's what I mean. Though, is that, like Star Trek. I have all those films specifically, like talking about their franchises. As Poltergeist, they still make poltergeist was a franchise
1: oh, sure yep
2: but wrath of khan specifically not just star trek but just that film. that's the only film that, that's still actively talked about like yes i'm not arguing et's um, for the record i'm not arguing the impact on the culture
3: mm-hmm.
2: i'm arguing what we're talking about as of 2019 there are more video essays on the wrath of khan than there are on et oh okay there's more conversation about One film versus the other. And I think it's fair to say that there's probably more podcast discussions being recorded about Season of the Witch of the last 10 years than there are about E.T. Okay, yep, I'm with you. And that's what I'm trying to get at, is that, yet, even though Halloween 3 is becoming more of an appreciated film over time, I do think it's a film that, not to jump the gun too far on the late night discussion, Uh but I do think it's a film that most people— Even though it's not a bad film, I think people would reject because it's just too, oh, I don't want to say bizarre, but it's just too cartoony or goosebumpsy of a premise. Uh, Yeah. I think that's what's holding it back. And I think going back to the point of... um, Like we were talking about the guy on the podcast complaining about Stonehenge and putting things in the masks I don't think his complaint was like the actual Like you were saying like oh we do that today We put like iron ore into computer chips and iPhones I don't think that was his complaint in a a literal sense I think he's trying to say that it's just such an outlandish premise Compared to or it's such an involved premise Whereas like you think of Michael Myers Okay guy in the mask he comes back to his hometown he unfortunately singles out a bunch of people and he picks them off one by one
3: mm-hmm.
2: nightmare on elm street it's a guy that's wronged by a bunch of parents he comes back and haunts the kid their children's dreams it's it's a a microcosm of the sins of the father upon the children i think the idea of okay halloween three seasons of the witch all right you have an irish warlock who goes to his homeland for pagan rituals and steals part of Stonehenge, has a factory in, in like, Oh God, upstate California, where he puts these masks, then he's going to sell all these masks, but then lure the children home with a giveaway where this very specific melody is played. And I think that's what he means. It's such an elaborate premise. Okay. You can't sell the premise of this movie in two sentences. Yeah,
1: that, and that's true. And I think, you know, that's uh, what some might see as a detriment, what I really
2: enjoyed about it. That's what I mean. I think that's why a reason, too, that when, when I was younger and I'd seen this movie, and I'm pretty sure when I caught it, it was the last probably like 20 minutes. It's like he's going through the, uh, the fat, well, the Stonehenge part of the factory. Sure. Or the no admittance section. And that's where it kind of lost me. And I really- Final I, processing. Yes, there you go, the final processing uh, section of The Warehouse. And I think that's kind of why this film never resonated with me as a kid, because it's it's a really weird film in that sense. Because it, even though it has an identity, it's kind of like it's too unique for its own good.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that for sure, absolutely. Just the way, kind of, you know, uh, like I was saying before, it, it was nothing like I expected, Everything from the story down to the pacing of it, to the structure of it, it was kind of just out of left field, and unique is a
2: great way to describe it. Yeah, because like, we didn't even talk about the fact that our, our Irish war—oh uh, god, warlock, he has an entire army of, oh god, automaton robots. <laughs> yeah, he builds robots, uh,
1: just do his bidding, absolutely.
2: That's why I mean it's like there's so much Then you throw in the whole aspect of Tom Atkins with his like half his age girlfriend and then by the very end she turns out to be a robot so you have this entire like plot of the film being like was she a robot all the time was she just that at the very end of the film and then ah, you have that, then you have that very very I don't want to say unsatisfying but it's satisfying to a very niche portion of the audience where it's like okay he gets three of the four channels to turn off the team to turn off the the giveaway and then you have that very very campy ending of Tom Atkins looking very into the, directly into the camera going stop it as, as the uh, audio is trailed off and it's great you're
0: worse it's life and death hey don't I know you? If it goes out, it means the death of millions of people, everyone watching. Don't you understand that? If if people say it's a bomb, then say, say whatever you want, say whatever you like, just get it off the air. Please, you just, I, no, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me, believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to, It means. stand by. a Tuesday interruption. We're having technical problems. Please stand by. It's time, it's time. To we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Rock masks, gather round your TV set. Put on your masks and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third gather commercial, it's still on. please. Watch Take off the third album. channel, the third channel, it's still watch. running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time.
3: You've got to, s- please, stop it, stop it now. Turn it off, turn it off. Stop it, stop
0: it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it.
2: It's a great ending. Because if you've, if you've ever seen the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1950 film, yeah. it's, this is clearly a, a I don't want to say a riff, I mean that in a positive way, but it's clearly an homage to that, because that, that was the big joke with that film, was that when they were making the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, they didn't want to have the bookend thing with the, the main character, the protagonist, in the doctor's office, with everything being explained, and oh, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, they didn't mm-hmm. have that. Or they didn't want to do that, and that was kind of forced upon them. And this was Tommy Lee Wallace's way of being like, Okay, I'm gonna right the wrongs of the past. And unfortunately, when you do such a thing, the audience bites you in the There's a reason why that tacked on bookend to the the original body snatchers was there because it placates the audience. Yeah. And when you don't placate the audience, they rebel. Yeah. yeah unfortunately. Absolutely. It's kind of of amazing that, like, we talk, this film came out in 1982, and then, what, 30, what, maybe, what, 35 years later, we get a film like The Last Jedi, which does (laughs) the exact same thing thematically, and the audience, I guess that kind of disproves my point, that audiences haven't matured at all.
1: Yeah, yep, I, uh, you know, we talk about the evolution of society and people, how they respond to things, but... You know, has there any ever really been any change in mob mentality? When a group of people start to dislike something and that ball starts rolling, it seems to just play out the same way each and every time. And sure, there's going to be the dissenters, I think, like Zach and I are specifically for this movie. But it's always, you know, it wasn't what we expected. It wasn't what we wanted.
2: Let's just hate on it till the cows come home. Yeah, it's just the idea, like, oh, even though this thing exists, no matter how much I hate it, it'll never go away. Somehow, I guess it's it's also the Misery Loves Company thing. We're like, okay, I'm going to. I dislike this movie, so I'm going to try to poison the well as much as I can because I'm just a bad person.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and those people would probably describe us as having some form of Stockholm Syndrome.
2: (laughs) Well, it is. It really does. It comes down to it's, it's the Last Jedi thing again. Like, as weird as it may sound, it's the exact same phenomenon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and it's just strange to think that like this this film made 14.4 million dollars and the last jedi made 1.3 billion dollars yeah it's the same sort of just like hamstrung issue both films have yeah, with, yeah. With, with part of the audience because <laughs> it's like in this film only cost two and a half million dollars to make it made oh god a multiplier so like People made money on this. They just didn't make as much money as they would have liked. Like this, everybody got everybody got paid. It's not like people were licking their wounds and the franchise was tarnished after this. Like again, I I still can't figure out that people like Halloween five and six more than this. I just I cannot wrap my head around that.
1: Yeah, that I have no I've never seen those so I have no And you're no
2: not idea. very and you're not very good. Like they like, like Rob's like, "Oh, like this is the only like Michael Myers or the only Halloween film that doesn't star Michael Myers." And I'm like, "Well, Rob, technically the 5th and 6th pretty much everyone after the 5th and 6th one don't star Michael Myers cuz they're not it's just like, "Oh god, it's like a forgery. It's like it's not really Michael Myers at that point." <laughs> it, it's kind of a, like a joke. It's like, "Uh uh-uh, honey, those aren't Halloween. They might have Halloween in the title, but they ain't Halloween movies."
1: <laughs> Mikhail Myers. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. It the really Russian is.
2: version, <laughs> the Russian knockoff version. <laughs> it's something like that. Oh yeah, That's like oh god, some of those. I don't know how anybody watches them. I really don't. Because I know like even the sixth one has like three or four different cuts of it. I'm like I'm like how does there's like the regular cut, there's like the producer's cut, there's a director's cut, and like none of these are good movies. Like I get it. Like I'm glad they're all out there for people to consume. Like if you like it, I'm glad you have as much ret- material as you need to like chew on. Yeah. But it's like none of these are good movies. Like they're all just like it's cynical cash grab. And it's just a matter of like certain people figuring out that their version of the cynical crash grab is better than the other (laughs) version. Yeah. There's no ideal version, unfortunately. Um, but no, so like one of the things I've always been fascinated with this movie is that I do think that when it comes to the Halloween series, that Hollywood has always held Halloween in a higher regard than the rest of the slasher films of its ilk. Again, you're, you're, Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, your Texas Chainsaw.
1: Because
2: because everybody, I don't know if everybody forgets, but like when Halloween 1978 came out, at first the critical reception was rather lukewarm to like negative. But then the, the savior of Halloween was Roger Ebert. Oh. Roger Ebert published like a three I think it's either a three star or three and a half star review of Halloween and again if anybody knows their Ebert and Siskel history like they would like have their famous tirades like they want all this stuff pulled like they would they would start letter lighting they would start letter writing campaigns to so, like Paramount to get like Friday the 13th pulled off screens like they were horrible like it's they didn't like something so they were going to destroy it for everybody else and yet like Ebert was like god he all he I think he named Halloween one of the top like 10 films of that year and that's what kind of got the ball rolling because back in that era your top two people or critics Were roger ebert and pauline kale and i'm pretty sure pauline kale didn't like halloween i think she she was part of that group that thought it was like kind of trash okay but it really was that like where ebert really deserves his well ebert deserves his title for many reasons but he really was that maverick of film criticism in the beginning he really was the man the man was unparalleled in how he understood film but he did and that's what kind of gave halloween it's um I don't want to say traction but it definitely got it More of an audience because this was back in the day when films Only showed up on like especially films Like Halloween they'd show up on like 15 or like two dozen screens And then only through word Of mouth would they start to spread to Other parts of the country Okay. So, so when Roger Ebert gives the film A three star review guess What a bunch of other theorists said okay We want this now too and mm-hmm. it explodes In popularity Gotcha but going back to what I was saying with like Hollywood, is that I did think Hollywood picked learned something from Season of the Witch. Because considering now we live in the age where we have so many movies where it's franchise, colon, the subtitle. And I don't need to go through all of our Captain America, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Thor, Ragnarok. And I think Hollywood learned a lesson from this being like, okay, if you're going to make a film that Is part of the franchise. But it's going to deviate. From the franchise proper. You do have to play. With the colon. And the numerical numbering. Definitely. Because I wonder. If this film was just called. Halloween. Colon. Season of the Mm -hmm. witch. I wonder. How much the reception for this movie. Would have changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Remove that. The, remove the numeral. Don't make it seem like it's a, a primary installment in the series, you know, kind of implicitly say that it's this offshoot, this side story,
2: this subplot. And it could fare better. Yeah, that man, it's a bummer that we're never going to get to know. Because I, I know in the good bad flicks video and that's also referenced in the behind the scenes thing with Tommy Lee Wallace, and I just want to highlight him for a second. Because he was the person He was like he wore so many different hats On the original Halloween 1978 production like he was Like he did all these different jobs And he's the one who designed the Michael Myers mask oh okay He's the one who went in fact he's The one who was told by Carpenter Go find the look of the character Who originally his name was the shape That's Michael Myers was never yep. Michael Myers He was the shape that's how he's Credited as in the, the first film And He's Tommy Lee Walls is the one that sat there, like narrowed it down to like a clown mask and the reformatted Shatner Kirk mask. Yep, that was his brainchild. And Tommy Lee Walls also directed the um, the it, many, the, the oh god, the uh, Tim Curry, it's Here. yeah, I saw that. Not that I don't want to say his career was ruined by this, but it certainly didn't do him any favors.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And then the weird thing, too, is that like a couple of years later, you would get the Friday the 13th part 5 Film the new beginning Where there's no Jason Voorhees uh, Again yeah, another and, deviation And you have Roy And he's and he's being a copycat Jason Okay And it just makes you wonder though It's like okay did Halloween learn I'm sorry did Hol- Did Hollywood learn anything from this film or didn't they It's kind of the same thing with the sophistication of audiences Did they learn something uh,
1: no, I don't think they learned anything. Good question. If they didn't, if they didn't learn
2: anything, the, if they learned
1: anything, they quickly forgot it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the unfortunate reality of the situation.
1: Yeah, it is It is a bummer. Yeah, I, I like the idea of taking the numeral away from this, but like I said, we'll, we're never going to know. And, and uh, it doesn't seem like at any time we're going to get any boldness to try something like this ever again, and it's a bummer, because this is the stuff that I think, you know, like this, like the solo you know, Star Wars movie that I, I describe my feelings of, those departures are refreshing sometimes, to me at least. And the audience rejects them. Yeah, yeah, they just want to see the same thing over and over. I would uh, love to be a, a movie studio executive one day so I could, you know, be part of a very successful movie and, you know, makes billions of dollars and then a year later release the sequel and literally release the same movie. I would love to do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd
2: love to do that. That'd be fun.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, that's uh,
2: – it's it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Yeah. Unfortunate reality situation. But it's okay, Rob. So the actual film itself, are there any particular sequences that you want to highlight or –
1: Halloween 3, I want to highlight the special effects, particularly in the scene where the misfire occurs. The first oh, time right. we see a uh, one of these – you know, it's not even the mask. It's just the tag, the Shamrock Novelties tag from the mask that a, a woman in the hotel room is messing with. She's like poking at it with a bobby pin and it fires a laser directly into her mouth. And I'm like, what? It. We get to see this beam of light shooting to her mouth. It cuts to our main characters having sex and like, what's that? And it cuts back to this woman literally having her lips blown open. It's like... It's like if you've ever seen somebody step on a landmine, the way that it oh, like yeah. flays the skin, you know, it's all in different directions, curling up like ribbons. Like it is, it is gruesome. I was cringing in the, the true sense of, you know, emotional negative reaction, or physical, I should say, negative reaction. This was gross to look at, and I loved every second of it. Overall, I think the the special effects, you know, from that to the reptiles and insects coming out of the kid's head later on it was all great. It was. Uh, it was very. You know, it, it did its job. It made me feel uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, yeah. They did again. It was very similar crew. And they knew what they were doing at this point because it was pretty much the same crew from Halloween two. Okay, And that was kind of like a lot of leftovers from the first Halloween So these were all kind of like I don't want to call them a troop Because John Carpenter was doing a bunch of things And he also at one point got too big for his British John Carpenter Because John Carpenter's history Ties into part of Dan O'Bannon And part of the Alien franchise uh, too Again folks, we we'll going give be an entire episode Just devoted to Dan O'Bannon Because he's my uh, Hollywood spirit animal Yes <laughs> but we'll get to that in due time. But no, there's like a lot of stuff in this. Like all the effects are convincing, especially even when it comes to the automatons. Like even when Tom Atkins like punches him like in the abdomen and we see just kind of like the, the oh God, what was, the oil or whatever whatever it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, th- I felt like that was like
1: mangoes in glycerin. Like orange it looked like juice. mango juice. Orange juice. Yeah, but it, yeah, I, I guess it could have been orange juice in no, glycerin. No, they said that. That's what it is. It's orange juice. Oh, Oh, okay,
2: okay. Right on. <laughs> I'll take it. Thats I looked into that. I, I found it online. Yeah, it was apparently orange juice. That's what <laughs> they use. I guess I guess they probably combined it with like a corn syrup maybe to make it a little bit more like thicker more molasses yeah
1: that, that's what I was saying the glycerin part of it, but sure, orange juice, ok. Right on,
2: but no, but like some of the stuff that that's in this, though, like even like the very beginning where uh, we have the the guy in the hospital and Tom Atkins is taking care of him. And he sees obviously one of the automatons walk out of the hospital and he goes chasing after him. And I love that he goes into his car, dumps gasoline oh, on himself. Yes. And just lights himself on fire. And I forgot about that when I was re-watching this. And I'm like, that's great. Like that's a great thing that like if you have a bunch of like disposable henchmen and you don't want to leave any like you want to cover your tracks, that's exactly what you would do. Yeah, you,
1: absolutely.
2: You, you'd send them to do that, and then you'd cause like you'd cause a scene to distract from the guy being choked out in his hospital bed. And there you go.
1: I I love that as well. Uh, when that happened in the movie, my note was fuck Vietnam. <laughs> uh, of the Vietnam War. I was like, screw the Vietnam War. <laughs> but I, I also, I loved that scene. It was so visceral. It was awesome. I love the effect of, you know, the the dummy or, or the mask they had that gets, you know, lit on fire in that that shot of the car right before it all blows up. Um, I do want to comment, though, the movie set it up perfectly. I I was just an idiot when I was watching this movie and forgot about this for a second because later on in the film... Uh, our main character, Tom Atkins, calls his—I don't know—one of his mistresses or <laughs> girlfriends who works in like the coroner's office, and he's like, "You can give me some info info about you know the uh, the guy that blew himself up in the hospital parking lot, right?" And she goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. It turns out that someone mixed up the files or mixed up the evidence bags, and we've been looking at parts of the car and not parts of the people. And like I said, the movie sets it up perfectly because that's the first point." where they give you the hint, as the audience, they give you the hint that this was a robot. This was an automaton. It wasn't an actual person that lit himself on fire. But for some reason, when she said this, I thought the movie was going full-on slapstick. And she was saying, like, We literally did an autopsy on a car seat, like a (laughs) full-bodied car seat and not a person. And there was like two seconds where I was watching this where I was like, wait, what is she saying? They did an autopsy on the the hood of a car, like thinking it was a person? And it quickly came back to me, but I thought that was so damn funny. The thought of somebody doing an autopsy, like cutting into a car seat and stuffing comes out and they go... Damn it, nurse! This patient's still alive. <laughs> but no, the the movie is masterfully done. I I just lost sight of it for a little bit and thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's 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 moments like that where you kind of, like even like Tom Atkins. He has like a god. Tom Atkins is banging everybody in this movie. We have his ex-wife who like hates oh. him. We have oh, like the, god, the the lab the, la- the lab technician that he clearly screwed around with at some point. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. He, Tom Atkins, oh, good lord. His libido's just everywhere. <laughs> it, it, yeah, absolutely. And I I absolutely
1: love that scene, which we've already mentioned. You know, he's like, should I get into the room? I could sleep in the car. I'd be better than sleeping on the floor. And then just, boom! Hard stop in the momentum of the scene. The female character turns her head slowly and goes, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? Hard pause to... Now, that's a dumb question. And then just kisses her. And then just what? Like a fuck montage, I'm pretty sure? That oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's glorious. Oh, it's oh, it's one of uh, those sequences where it's like, oh, it's so. Like, clearly somebody got an edict saying, like, you need a sex scene in this. You need to keep the kids entertained. And it's like, well, I guess we're going to make it as ham-fisted as humanly pot. Like, it's oh, deliciously ham-fisted.
1: I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was laughing out loud. I thought it was...
0: I saw Cochran. His car, anyway. And your old man stayed here on the 20th. I was right. We'll go directly to the factory. We'll whoa, find whoa hold exactly on. Slow the- down. Slow down. It's getting late. I could use a drink. Let's take our time. It's okay with you? To stay, I mean. Oh, yeah, I think these uh, clothes could probably hold out for at least one more day. Maybe I had to get another room. That would look sort of suspicious, wouldn't it? What I mean is, if you'd uh, feel more comfortable, uh, I could sleep in the car. Be better in this floor, anyway. Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? That's a dumb question, Miss Grimbridge.
1: But see, this is something, it it was like, I have to clarify, I was never laughing at this movie like, oh my god, this is so stupid, it's funny. I was laughing at this movie because I was loving it so much. Like the ham-fisted romance that we needed and was being set up so clearly, it just hits you like a brick wall and it's perfect. This movie doesn't pretend to be anything other than like a campy horror movie, and that's why it does so well for me. It's great. Yeah, this movie knows
2: exactly what it wants to be.
1: Oh, oh, where do you where do you want to sleep, Doctor Chalice? <laughs> that's a
2: stupid he question. He should have to been. Ask, he
1: should have been like the car and left. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a weird thing too. Is that like Tom Atkins is like a doctor. Outside of like one scene in the hospital, all he does is drink. Like, even, like, the whole thing, too, I just kind of, like, people don't even realize it adds to his character when he's in the bar, and, like, he's telling the uh, bartender to flip through the channels. He's watching Saturday morning cartoons. Yes. Like, he's he's drinking at, like, nine in the morning.
1: You don't think it was boomerang? Or old-school boomerang? <laughs> I don't know.
2: And then even the fact with his wife, his, his ex-wife, he's like, you're supposed to take the kids out. He's like, I'm sorry, honey. Something came up. As he gets into the car with the young hot thing, and a six-pack...
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like that's yeah, he's so he, deliciously he, yeah. like set subtly <laughs> over the top.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's I think it's a little more normal than over the top, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in
2: 1982, and if you're a doctor. Yeah, the
1: doctor thing definitely you know hits a little harder because we never see him do anything really yeah. doctorly other than watch over patients. It's not like they ever say even he's a surgeon or anything. You know, it's basically like. I, he's a doctor in the sense that he wear has to wear a stethoscope to work. Yeah. <laughs> more or less.
2: More or less. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. It's 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 a fascinating little scene. But no, it's like I just couple of scenes I wanna highlight. Like, the film is shot beautifully. The film the director of photography was Dean Cundy, who went on to do films like Back to the Future. Jurassic Park, really. He's kind of fallen off in, in recent years. He hasn't done much. Oh, but he really- I,
1: I, I have to agree with you and uh, I guess a peek behind the curtain when I asked Zach if he had a copy of this movie. This was one of the ones where he was like, you know, fuck you, Rob. The copy I did find of this film is beautiful. I was really surprised by how well, how
2: good it looks. I know the one scene where we have all the automatons like lined up next to each other and we see kind of them like, their faces are all blackened out, but you can see their silhouette. Mm-hmm. It's oh it's 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 a sight to behold. Then even like toward the end of the film, or maybe like two like a three-quarters of the way, when we're getting the montage of like all the kids trick-or-treating, and we get like all these shots of like these kids just on Halloween night, and we get the silhouettes of the skeleton mask, yeah. and the jack-o'-lantern mask, the witch. Oh, it's great. Like like not all of the scenes, because some of them are done at daylight, some of them are like in the novelty shop store. Mm-hmm. And but oh no, like the ones that are done at dusk. Oh, it's just—it's beautifully filmed for such a small, like, like what, ten-second shot? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do like the one girl that's wearing like a tutu and like a ballerina costume with the jack o' lantern.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. That was something I definitely enjoyed about this film, where it was like Halloween seemed like this this different concept in this film as it is to you know the real world where it's like you have to pick a costume any costume you want but it has to be paired (laughs) with one of the three masks from this specific novelty shop like the way they framed it it was like
2: literally these masks are shipped throughout the world that's always the kind of question i've had with this like how elaborate is the plan I guess it's nationwide because I know we get certain shots of like cities across the US. <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way
1: because when I was like watching this movie, when it, they do the, when it's revealed what's going to happen and it like they, they, they do the, um, the insect and the mask it, it gets that kid in like the testing room of the factory. I was like, wouldn't this start to happen? And like in 18 to 20 minutes, the National Guard would be rolled out. Like, like this would not go unnoticed, right?
2: Yeah. Plus, there's the whole thing with like time time differences. Like, how do you do this? Like, okay, does everybody have to be home at six o'clock? That's or- true. They they were in California in this film, mm-hmm.
1: and so nine p.m. California is midnight Eastern time. That's
2: not many. Not many kids are going to be up for that. The school. Yeah, next day.
1: I mean, I mean, unless. They on the East Coast. They were like, "Hey kids, go to bed wearing your masks and leave the TV on. You <laughs>
2: know, it'll, it'll, it'll serve the same purpose." <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but no, like, like the thing I really like is like more toward the. I think about three quarters of the way through the film when the like we have our Bond villain, Mr. Cochrane. He's doing his entire spiel, laying out his plan because he's really like I'd say he's like one of those villains that you don't get in movies anymore. Like I know nowadays, like in any sort of these movies that the white guy has to be the villain because we can't have it any other way. Yeah. But if you are going to have like an old white guy villain, this is how he should be. This is kind of like the archetype. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: He's Zach. Go, go back and watch like the last six episodes of season two of twin peaks. This is Andrew Packard. It's the same character. Same character from uh, uh, RoboCop too, for the most part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just out for himself, trying to get
2: something done. Yeah, because even like when we get into like the no admittance part, where we're going looking at Stonehenge, just how like all I know in the the podcast I was listening to, they were making fun of just how how bare bones it is. Like, oh, it's just a it's just like a soundstage or a warehouse with like a handful of monitors and a giant like fake piece of Stonehenge. And it's like, no, it's like, yes, that's what it is, because this was relatively low-budget time. But, like, you get some of those shots where, like, they're up on the catwalks, and they're, like, panning down, and you mm-hmm. have all the monitors, like, in the circle. And yeah, you have, like, your like Great, elect- then, great yeah. imagery. Oh, yeah. And I think there's a simplicity there. It's, that it's so stripped down. Like, like ugh. I know they were making fun of it, too, being like, oh, it was the 80s. All you need to do is make a computer room was to push two buttons and hit enter. And it's like, well, yeah, because it was 1982. Computers weren't really a – god, they weren't the household things they are nowadays. They were mine 20 years ago. And I think it is that sort of just like simplicity because I think somewhere – I think Deborah Hill, who was the producer of this, was kind of like John Carpenter's partner in crime. It was like they wanted to make a movie where it was like witchcraft meets the digital age. Yes, yeah. And that's great. Like, that's such a neat notion that even today that's not really explored. And you do get some of that great imagery, too, because if you look at this film, like, whether you watch, like, the original Halloween or any of the films, I don't even want to say of this ilk because that really wouldn't be fair because this film kind of is not its own kind of pantheon, but, like, this does, like you were saying, feel like a goosebump story, or like a Tales from the Dark Side, or one of those like yeah. anthology series, because our main hero, for the most part, is isolated. Because even though at the very end he does like kind of like reemerge into like, oh god, I don't want to say the real world, but he is on his own. Like there is no cavalry. There's nobody. The only person that knows where he's going is the the female lab technician, and she's mm-hmm. dead. She gets oh, a, yeah. a, a power drill to the head. Which is which is kind of a weird thing to have, like in a coroner's office, a power drill. But whatever you you do, you um, coroner's <laughs> office.
1: But hey, I don't think either of us know about the medical practices of autopsies in the eighties. So yeah,
2: okay. Let's well, <laughs> we'll reserve our judgment so we do a little more research on that. Um, but no, so like you have this whole thing of him. It's like you know, yes, you do have some really kind of like how he escapes from being tied up. That he takes the mask and flings it on top of the security camera in one swing. According yes, to time
1: my note for that part when he throws it like what he he's he's still tied up when he throws yep. it and he yep. like backhands it my yep. note for that segment of the movie was
2: kobe <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you're not wrong but no like some of the stuff like that apparently they had to like shoot that scene like 25 times because whatever happened was like they they did a oh god um they rehearsed it and i think it was either tom atkins or tommy lee wallace got it in the first try oh then then they had to, like they had to keep doing it over and over because they couldn't get the game it was a little things they got lucky the first time but the camera wasn't running
1: okay but it, in the movie it does there's a very hard cut like he throws oh, yeah. it and cuts to close up to the camera and it lands on it okay yeah i, I
2: guess they couldn't get it um but yeah, but like even that how it ends, so he sit, he goes and rescues Ellie. And even that's another fun thing too, is because after he rescues her, she doesn't say a thing.
1: Yep, she is just following him. Absolutely. Yep,
2: that, and that's one of those nice little touches that you don't notice until the second time you watch the film.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love me an unhappy ending. And this movie <sighs> satisfied it perfectly. Not so much like the commercial thing at the end, sure, you know, he can't stop all the commercials. Yeah, I get. Like, that's different. The love interest being the robot and he has to, like, kill her for some intents and purposes. That that's what I live for in films. That's different. Thank you. You know, give me something different.
2: Finally. Well, think about that, though. I I I like this ending in a way that's like I wouldn't say it's a downer end. well. Yes, you're you're not wrong when it comes to the love interest side of it though. But I'd classify this more as an ambiguous ending because we don't know what happens at the end.
1: Yes, the true ending, absolutely.
2: The true ending's relatively ambiguous. I know I read somewhere that like there was a novelization of this. Ooh. And the novelization apparently says that um that you could like it ends with it being like oh the, the screams of children across the land were heard that night and were never and it could never be unheard. So it's like, "Oh, <laughs> I guess it did go through. The thing about the ending, though, where like he's driving away with Ellie and she starts like choking him, and he has to fight her off, and you have this thing of like, oh, the robot just keeps coming after you over and over again, despite the fact that like, oh, he like knocks its head off, it still tries to choke him.
1: He mm-hmm. dismembers
2: it. It tries to still come after him.
1: The uh, the de-
2: the uh, detached arm tries to choke yep. him. Yep. Yep. And you think about this. This came out in 1982. This was two years before the Terminator. Ah,
1: when was it in relation to the Stepford Wives? Stepford Wives was old, right?
2: That's seventies, I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: that was okay. Yeah, that was earlier, but that—that's definitely what made me
2: think of that. She turned into a Stepford wife. <laughs> well, that was in, I think I forget what I was reading was. Um, yeah, Stepford Wives was nineteen. 19- oh, I don't want the two thousand four movie. What kind of nonsense <laughs> is this, Google? Who on earth types the Stepford Wives into Google and asks for the Nicole Kidman
1: movie? This is a fucking travesty.
2: <laughs> it really is. Seventy-five. Yeah, nineteen seventy-five. Who the hell types?
1: Okay.
2: Imagine going to like like a blockbuster. Like, hi, I want to rent the Stepford Wives. I give you Nicole Kidman. It's like, get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> you
2: mean? Who comes here for the this? The
1: original? No, the the re- you mean? the original
2: <laughs> yeah but no cause even i think it was one of the things i was reading or watching that like tommy lee Wallace was like oh we, when we were doing the automatons we want to do kind of like a reverse stepford wives
1: oh sure okay
2: and apparently he also wanted all redheads
1: yeah yeah they mentioned that and sure you know they're irish so stereotypes <laughs> <laughs> why not that we can still do things like that Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Bene- benevolent stereotypes Bingo.
2: But no, like the ending of this I've always I I like it. Like I know a lot of people say like, oh we like people either love their love their down ending their downer endings. Like I know like back like in school learning like oh like the birds. Alfred Hitchcock's yep. film was like oh that's Like the definition of an ambiguous ending like Oh all the birds are just sitting there and they drive Into like the into the distance and be Like what's gonna happen to the birds stop are they gonna Keep going and that for the most Part like it's ambiguous in the sense of like Oh like anything could happen from this Point but I like this ending A little bit more in that like Oh our character got a taste Of stopping it but like He it he was able to stop It to a certain point it couldn't go, go the whole Way
1: mm. Sure. Sure.
2: And that's why I like, I like the idea of like the, the hero succeeding up into the point in no matter how hard they try, they can't get there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. I I agree with you. You know, this is definitely a a different kind of a, a unhappy ending than I'm familiar with. And I think that's once again, why I thought it was so refreshing and interesting that it is that level of ambiguous, you know, I've mentioned it before, but I always think of the original, what, the Night of the Living Dead, when, you know, the main character gets shot at the end, and, and that that that's great. I love that, but that's not ambiguous like this one is, and that's why it adds
2: that next level of interesting to it for me. Oh, yeah, and that's what it is. Even, like, like we kind of mentioned it earlier, though, but at the very end when he has the scheme where he takes all the little – the box of tags that are supposed to go on the back of the mask – and prior to that, he turns all the, the computers on so the thing yeah. really keeps going, keeps making its little like uh, theme song. And he dumps it down, and whatever it does, I guess it's such a concentrated dose between all the little, little uh buttons and then the stone hedge being there. And I just love that you have the, the giant ring where the thing just starts to kind of like implode upon itself. But prior to that, we have Cochrane, and like you said, he turns around and looks up at Tom Atkins, and just the The smile and the slow yes. clap being like, You bested me. Yep, that's that's you, a great Bond villain type of scene like you were saying. Yep. You it's kind of like you won the battle but you're not going to win the war. Exactly. And it was like, "Oh, it's great." Like it's such it's it's very subtle mustache twirling.
1: Exactly. Oh, it's 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 awesome. Yeah, and I love that those overhead shots of, you know, the the ring of televisions lighting up, Stonehenge lighting up and it's like, "Oh, it's it's great. It's awesome."
2: Yeah it really is and you do have like with Cochrane throughout the entire film is that it's a deliciously evil performance to like dial down to the lowest degree like he is like yeah. you have your, you have your villains that do go over the top well it's like well mr bond my my executed my plan 15 minutes ago ha ha and this is the exact same thing but it's I, so i i always kind
1: of thought of it as the if if you balanced Willy Wonka the other way. Because, you know, and Willie, I'm thinking of like Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka from the movie. Hopefully, everybody thinks of when they think of Willy Wonka. Not you know, Johnny e- Depp, folks. That's not the equivalent
2: Johnny- getting the step from
1: wise <laughs> with Nicole Kidman. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, Gene Wilder, I've always thought of that character when he plays Willy Wonka, it's like he's good-hearted, but he has that strangeness kind of lurking in the background where this is almost the opposite, where the strangeness and evilness is front and center and the background of that niceness and novelties
2: is just kind of his foundation. It, it, it's a great character. Yeah, it really is. It's another one of those elements that I just like, I get being mad that Michael Myers isn't here. I, I, like, if you're sitting in a theater in 1982, <laughs> I get being mad. But, sure, sure. I know, because this was also back before the internet, before you could like read things online. So, like, you saw a movie preview or a TV commercial, that was it. There's nothing else. Fair. You, yeah. You didn't have anybody yeah. well, that on echoes, Rotten Tomatoes
1: giving it away. That goes back to what we were saying about the marketing as well. So, the people who were led to believe Michael Myers was going to be in the film, sure, it's understandable that they were disappointed.
2: Yeah. And I get that, though. But, like, after the first, like, year of release, you have to put that aside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a spur of the moment type of reaction.
1: That's all it should be. That shouldn't be a lasting grudge.
2: Yeah, and that's where I, I am kind of glad because I know like I know you can now to this day buy all the three masks. You can buy the witch, the jack-o'-lantern, the skull. They're they're readily available. Online. Do they have
1: the silver shamrock tags yep. on? Yep. Yes, they do. Oh, my God. OK, Zach, <laughs> my uh, my birthday's, I mean, always coming up, <laughs> per- perpetually arriving.
2: Excuse me, Rob. <laughs> Whose birthday's always coming up?
1: Oh, Ben Affleck's. I'm sorry. There maybe maybe Ben, we might have to purchase some of these masks for Ben Affleck. Damn,
2: <laughs> straight. <Just> <laughs> okay, Rob, because I don't have much to say about this movie left, but do you have anything else? Because there's one very important thing we have not touched upon. That's probably the most important thing in the movie, if we count how many times it shows up. Okay, um,
1: I'm guessing that it's the same thing that I wanted to discuss. The song? The greatest melody in cinematic history, the 20 plus year predecessor to baby shark and the atrocities oh, like that. No, I would never, there would associate... be no, there would be no baby shark. If we were not for Halloween three
2: season <laughs> of the witch. <laughs> I would never associate the happy, happy, the silver shamrock anthem with atrocity on the blu-ray. I was as I What? It's a it's an atrocity. It's a no, beautiful no. atrocity. It's no, an atrocity it's not. Though. No, it's it's a beautiful melody because okay. at, this morning, and I love the Blu Ray menu. It plays it on loop and <laughs> holler and going. Happy Halloween. Happy, happy
0: Halloween. 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 Happy, happy Halloween. Silver Shamrock.
2: Happy Halloween! And I just kept it on all day today. Like I went to go make lunch, I just kept singing it. Like I I was in my, it was playing in my room. I was in the kitchen making a sandwich, and it's just going happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween, (laughs) Silver Shamrock. I'm just like, I'm like beep. I'm literally like bopping like an oompa loompa up and down with the melody. Oh, oh it is God. delightful to the point where I don't think I've mentioned it this year. I don't think I told Rob this is that this is the first year in ten years that for Halloween I'm retiring the projector. And what I did was I bought a Halloween Michael Myers mask, and I'm going to dress up and go around my property just being Michael Myers. And I was getting because I last year so, 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 uh, no what no odd sack. Happy
0: Halloween! Halloween.
2: on the side of your house what no i think we decided that last year i mean just but i mean maybe there's just no
1: chance there's gonna be you're saying there's gonna be no chance there's gonna be odd
2: There's no chance for any of it, Rob. So that's only fair. It's not being—it's not like OddSack is being disqualified in and of itself. Everything is like this being disqualified. I don't like this.
1: Disqual- don't like this. <laughs> where's my Where's my rape whistle right now? I'm not, <laughs> not okay
2: with this. <laughs> the projector is dead. Long live the projector. Uh, is it dead or are you retiring it? No, retire. Well, part of it too is that I have a spare bulb for it somewhere. I just have no idea where it is. And considering <laughs> it's that next i to that can of tab. <laughs> it, you probably know what now that I think about it. Good chance that they're chilling next to each other. But it's concerning that I've never replaced the bulb in the 10 years since I've had it, it's kind of like one of those things where I don't think you can buy the bulb anymore because the projector is like a sketchy like Chinese knockoff. Um, it's one of those things now that it only gets reserved for like special occasions okay. and having it run for like four hours on Halloween night is just a little too much for comfort. Plus I think too, when it comes to my, my like Halloween menagerie, um, I think I, I run that out as far as I can. Plus this year I went and got a bunch of lights and I'm pretty sure I have a bunch of lights going, even though they're all like Halloween color lights, having too many lights with that takes away from it. Oh, so, sure. it, so it doesn't really, it's not being retired. It's being retired for the fact that I've been doing it for so long. And I think at this point where it's just kind of like, it's, it's right. It's like anything in life. It's run its course. Um, I could always bring it back. But going back to the point I was making that I'm good. I, Cause last year I bought the Halloween 2018 soundtrack. And I kind of like, before I did my projector, I plugged my phone into my amp and I just played that. And then this year, I'm like, oh, I can do like a playlist of like all sorts of spooky stuff from like all the Halloween soundtracks.
3: Uh-huh. And I was
2: thinking being like, oh, I can include the Silver Shamrock theme. And I realized if I just did a loop of that, people probably will get mad they wouldn't consider it spooky or anything. At one point, I <laughs> wanted to have the Silver Shamrock theme just because I love it. I could for three hours straight just listen to it and not be bothered by it. I love it that much.
0: Happy Halloween, 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 Happy Happy Halloween,
2: Halloween, Halloween, Happy And I realized, oh, people might be turned off by it.
1: Yeah, I'm not for the playing that on loop around your house. I'm for putting that on a
2: playlist that you play, but not on loop. No, come on. It should be on loop. If people were as smart as I am, they'd appreciate it and realize how genius it is. But unfortunately, much like everything else we've discussed this episode, we have not reached that point in human evolution.
1: I like that idea. I like the idea of the playlist. If you're going to run around your property – Dressed as Michael Myers and have that music a thing playing. That's that a sounds, thing to it, folks. That sounds very interesting, and I definitely think you should have that uh this you know, the silver shamrock jingle. Um also include um doll's polyphony from Akira. I feel like that's a great Halloween song. Remember bloop blue, bloop blue, bloop blue, bloop bloop bloop
0: bloop. <laughs>
1: That would be pretty interesting. To, like <laughs> It's dark out, and someone sees you running around with a Michael Myers mask on, and it's bloop, 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 <laughs> That would be pretty creepy, I would imagine. But I have to comment on—I think it's an atrocity. But beside the fact that I think it's an atrocity for reasons we don't need to get into, musical reasons we don't need to discuss, this is perfect. The Shamrock Novelties Halloween song, the jingle, is perfect. It works so well in this movie. Don't get me wrong there, Zach. That's one of the first things, not one of the, the first thing that really stood out to me in this film. Because when I sat down to watch this, when I went, you know, into it cold, because Zach was just like, yeah, you know, give it a watch. Let me know what you think. We need to figure out what we're going to do for Monstover. I didn't know anything about it. I thought we were going to see Michael Myers. But then I remembered Zach told me it didn't involve Michael Myers, it involved masks. I didn't know what to expect. And when I sat down and heard this song four times in the first ten minutes, I yes, was right? like, I'm on board. This is fucking insane, and I'm on board. So that's why it works so well. And on the musical level, I really do want to comment that they they mention it in the Good Bad Flicks um, uh, YouTube video. Maybe they mention it in the documentary, is that it's rec- it was recorded— It's based on the song London Bridge. You know, it's very similar. London Bridge is falling down, falling down. It's based on that. But the lyrics and the tune are slightly sped up, except at the end. They slow the tempo down. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so intrigued by it, because the whole song is like, three more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween three more days till Halloween and then when they say the name of the company it goes Silver Shamrock. like there's a deep tone in it and it's such a great touch because if you think of a jingle you're like yeah just keep everything high keep everything you know Alvin and the Chipmunks voice for an annoying commercial jingle but they don't do it when it gets to the novelty they actually add a depth and a layer to it and that makes it even more of an atrocity because anybody who who understands that about music made the rest of the song like like there's pure true musical intention put into something annoyingly catchy happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy, happy
3: Halloween,
1: And that's why it works so well for this movie, because it instills, at least in me, on the musical level, a sense of anxiousness that you have to hear constantly throughout the film. And that's just another layer of why this is such a unique uh, horror movie and why it works so well. So I do have to say, I love it. It's an atrocity. It's not music. It's a drug.
2: But I love it. (laughs) All right, folks. Full disclosure time. I want people to know, Rob doesn't like talking about it, but he has a very special condition where he when he says the word atrocity he means genius <laughs> he can't say that word but he says atrocity S- instead somebody so changed to- the uh
1: autocorrect in my brain
2: <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> it's a very unique condition it's, it's rare to only one individual we're currently aware of
1: and whenever zach talks to me about cinemonities whenever he says no it's a medical condition he really means yes specifically for total recall <laughs> no spelt y-e-s <laughs> there you go there you go
2: <laughs> same principle
1: oh uh, right, no rob. but I, I love it we had to talk about that song i'm sure that's we, if we haven't played it a million times already we're going to play it a million more times and oh yeah you better believe it's going to come up in reverse a little bit later <laughs> oh it will
2: all right one final thing before we delve into our questions was i this was too late to give to rob preparation for today's recording but what? even even the... when i delayed it yeah well maybe but no, I only discovered this sometime this afternoon. Was on the Blu-ray, there was this bonus feature called Horrors Hollow Grounds, revisiting the original shooting locales. And usually a lot of these things, it's like I think on some of the Friday the 13th Blu-rays they had that were like some of the cast members like go to like the like the shooting locations. You're like, oh, this used to be a house. This oh, used to yeah. be a farm. And a lot of them are just like like really like dry and just boring, because there's really nothing there. But this one was hosted by somebody with a personality. His name is Sean <laughs> Clark. I and mean, apparently he has a series called Horror's Hollow Grounds where he goes around to like lo- like shooting locations for horror films. I and mean, on the Blu-ray they included his thing for Halloween 3. And it was actually really entertaining because at one point Tommy Lee Wallace goes around with him to the um the town where Silver Shamrock is Located and some of the stuff Is really interesting too like like when uh, Tom Atkins is before he gets there Some of that stuff like he goes to the bar Where Tom Atkins is drinking and like Like the entire oh. bar has been like opened up There's like a giant window it's no more like It's not as dark I think they talk about it like the um In the good bad flicks thing that the bar is pretty much The same except for like there's a giant yeah. window There now mm-hmm. but the best part In this and this was really entertaining Was they found him and the director Found the motel and while they're at the motel, there's a bunch of, there's a couple of crackheads there. And they're mouthing off to the production. They're like, get the F out of here, you L.A. posers. <laughs> and he's and this guy, Sean, uh, Sean Clark, starts like mouthing off back to them. He's like, come over here and make me, asshole. And it's like, I'll come over there and give you a, something. And it's, oh my God, like, it's real. <laughs> it, like, it is. It, it, clearly this was not staged. It, it is hysterical hysterical like we'll insert some of the audio because it just it comes out of nowhere there's no preparation for it and they at the very end they show even more of the interaction they have with these like crackheads and like it's exactly what you would imagine would be living <laughs> in a, like a shady motel in the city or town
1: all right so we're here at the rosa shannon motel now which is filled with all kinds of colorful characters as we're finding out but fortunately, the owner of the building has been nice enough to let us actually go into the famous motel room which Tom Atkins and Stacy Nelkin stayed in. So let's go take a look, Sal. Shall we? Shall we? I think we shall. Knock this fucking guy out in a minute. I'm you,
2: fucking up every day. We're filming here for like 20 minutes. The longer you talk, the longer we gotta stay. How about you sucking this? <laughs>
1: Why don't you come find out? <laughs> Give it a shot, buddy. Come on. I Like Zach said, I, I definitely have not seen this yet. Um, but it sounds to me like all they needed was a Clarence puppet. And they could have had some oh, great, yeah. you know, man-on-the-street conversations.
2: You know what, Vern? Considering that I'm speaking to Vern Chapman, but in the past, <laughs> go to this town and go get the Clarence puppet and do this there it would be great. Right on. Right on. Yeah, it's a really cool feature. And it's actually as I was watching it, like it's about twenty minutes long. I'm like, wow, this is like really fun. And this guy, Sean Sean Clark, is the one that really adds like the energy and personality to it all. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, why isn't this like a TV show? Like, why isn't this like a uh, Yeah. Like a web series. Because I like, think of it, not just horror movies.
1: I, I think thought of, you were describing a TV show to me, to be honest. That's
2: that's why I thought <laughs> Just like considering that like the, the travel channel now is just devolved into the food network. In Destination America, which became the new Travel Channel, devolved into the Food Network. Ghost it's Hunters, like, part yeah. three through thirty-seven. Well, that's what happened. Was that like you have like Travel Channel used to be travel? Well, what used to be Discovery Channel used to do like a little bit of everything, where it'd be like oh, medical stuff, like travel stuff, like all this, all like really like diversified content. Mm-hmm. And then it was like okay, then we're gonna like then they like they did History Channel, Travel Channel. And like, okay, Discovery will stay mostly with like medical stuff, and like, oh, travel will do like travel, and then like, uh, History Channel will do like the history retrospectives, and then it became History Channel, became basically like Pawn Stars and syndication,
3: yeah.
2: And then like, Travel Channel became like Food Network, and then Destination America became what Travel Channel was, where they, they go around and do like all this stuff. And now, like Rob said, Travel Channel is now Ghost Hunters, and Destination America is now the Food Network, yeah. I'm, i can't stand
1: when Ghost Hunters is on and Mysteries at the Museum is not. <laughs> that infuriates me. And then when Mysteries at the Museum does come on, they're like, this entire episode is about Watergate. And I'm like, who the fuck cares?
2: <laughs> Goddamn damn TV these days. <laughs> All right, folks. We're gonna have like, at the Cinemati's restaurant. We're gonna have like etched on stone, like Rob's like complaints with the world, and that's gonna be one of them.
1: <laughs> we're gonna steal a pillar from Stonehenge, yes, and yes. we're gonna carve complaints into it.
2: <laughs> we're going to steal a piece of Stonehenge and carve our grievances with the world into them.
1: <laughs> it was too good. That's literally one of my snack ideas. Was we needed a pillar from Stonehenge <laughs> on display in our restaurant? <laughs> so this adds to it that we're gonna we're
2: gonna deface it like this. <laughs> exactly um but no like this was really great content like i'm kind of shocked like I, I think rob knows my um disdain for a very specific youtube channel that's all they do is like retrospectives on a very specific type of entertainment product yeah and it's like why isn't this a thing like why isn't some company giving yeah. like somebody money to like go around to all these different locations and be like like, one season, you do horror movies. Second season, you do action movies. Mm-hmm. Third season, you do romance movies. Or you do, like, a mixed bag every season. Who who cares? Yeah, ex- exactly. People would eat that up. And I'm going to say, I think it's on YouTube, this guy's thing. So like, I'll send it to Rob right now, and he'll watch it by the time uh, he's editing. But it's like, no, it's really great. And I'm like, that's, if you, we'll link to that, too, in the show notes. But check it out. Like, if you're even... Oh, God. Not, like, so enthused about this movie. This video is great in and of itself. Right on. Right on. So, yeah. It's it's neat. Check it out, folks. Uh, it's called Horror's Hallowed Grounds. I think a Do, it Do it now! Do No, 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 not now. After you've listened to the whole episode. Do it no. Okay. Do it later! <laughs> Do it later! Unless you have anything else to say. night and or late night movie.
1: I think I'm ready. I think I am ready. Uh, you want to start with, with those? You want to do snacks last?
2: Yeah, let's do that.
1: Okay, okay. So uh, I, I want to—another peek behind the curtain, I think not just for our audience, but also for Zach. I didn't mention it prior in this episode, but I do want to give a, a slight nod that I do have notes for this film. Oh. But they are retroactive notes. This is the first what? time— Yeah, this is the first time ever— since Zach is so wishy-washy with the concept of Mon Stover, <laughs> that, you know, even even when I, I guess, you know, even further peek behind the curtain, I watched this film and I said to Zach, I enjoyed it. We could talk about it. But I also mentioned Treehouse of Horror because Zach had talked about doing an episode about that before like the last time we were, we talked to each other. So when I watched this film, it was kind of late at night. I just wanted to see it. To, to get a sense of it, um, to know, to you know, because we did the same thing we mentioned earlier. Zach was like, Rob, watch it follows, and let me know what you think. And I was like, under the silver lake? And he goes, No, it follows. And I go, under the silver lake again? And he goes, No, god damn it, watch it follows. And I watched it and I was offended by it. So that was a no. This was one of the ones I watched and I liked, and so we ended up talking about it. But I didn't take notes when I watched it because I didn't know for sure if we were going to actually discuss it. So when it turned out that we were going to talk about it for this episode, I had to, you know, formulate my notes um after the fact to have at least, you know, some talking points for what I wanted to discuss. And this was easy. I you know, it's not like I I wasn't <laughs> blackout drunk or anything when I watched this movie, so I remembered it. So I was able to write my thoughts down. But when I got to our three questions, Cinemodities Late Night, and Snacks, I was actually, for the first time, I think, in the history of Cinemodities, thinking to myself, wow, this is something I really want to do when I watch the movie, because that's kind of how I formulate it. Right after I watch the movie, that's when I fill in my thoughts on these. So it was a little strange for me to do this. You know, I didn't rewatch the movie. I just I've still only seen it once. But when I filled in my cinemodities in late night, I tried to you know do it in like I was watching the movie. So I tried to recreate that same mindset. Next to cinematities, I have one word. Definitely! With an exclamation mark. Cool. Next to late night, I have one word. Absolutely! With an exclamation mark. And that's it. I didn't, like, usually I write a paragraph that I'm going to talk about. But here I was just like definitely and absolutely because I knew I was going to remember it. This movie was nothing that I ever would've expected from something with Halloween in the title. To me, that is a definite cinemodity. And on the same vein, if I have to show this to somebody late at night, I wanna say absolutely, because I wanna get people in the same trap. I want people to say, oh, I know all about the Halloween movies. I've seen Halloween, H2O, the Danny McBride Halloween. I want this one to be like, like uh, Zach, you know, I don't know if you're going to feel the same way, but to me, this is the holiday special of the Halloween series. Cause I've said to Zach before, every time I talk to anybody about star Wars, we have a discussion and they go, yeah, I've seen every star Wars movie. And my immediate response is, oh, what are your thoughts on the holiday special? And everybody always goes, what the fuck is the holiday special? I feel like this could be the same thing. If I ever said something about like, oh, what do you think about the Halloween series? Someone would have an opinion and say they've seen all of them. This is kind of that dark horse, that black sheep that can come up from behind. And I can actually, you know, get a grip from people about that late night dynamic. People will talk about it and start that discussion. Whether or not it's framed in how does this film fit with the Halloween series, I think this is going to lend itself perfectly to late-night movies. So it's a yes, it's a yes, it's a yes, yes, yes to cinematics and late-night. Oh, boy. Nights. And once again, I have to say, thank you, Zach. I never would have watched this movie. I loved this movie. This is great. This is why I wanted to do this podcast partially at the beginning, to find great new shit this is great new shit. I never would have watched this. This is so good. So I can I can only wholeheartedly endorse it. If you have a monster viewing coming up, show this to people. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I think I blew, I blew Zach's mind.
2: Glad to hear that. Usually, again, again, ever since men, women, ever since men, women, and children, folks I have to hold my breath with Rob. Well, that I really that movies do. a
1: fucking. That no, that that's an atrocity. No, that's yes it is. But,
2: is but that's atrocity. why it's genius cuz it's an atrocity. Um no, okay, cinemadi definitely cuz it's such a weird movie like for the last 2 hours, cinemadi,
1: yes. I would I would fuck this movie if only I could find the hole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's how much I love this movie. <laughs> I'm glad, Rob, I'm glad. Um late night movie? I Even though I think it's a late night movie for most people In the sense that like there's nothing really overly raunchy Or kind of like graphic in it I do think it's going to turn a lot of people off I think it's too It's too many steps to climb for normies to get on board Really? I do think so I think considering the IMDB rating Which really kind of caused me to kind of take a second look at this I do think there's so many normies out there that it's just there's so much going on, and I think it gets too weird all of a sudden. I think that's the problem. This movie plays I, out pretty normal for the first three quarters.
1: I guess I have to agree with you because something we didn't mention, even though we talked about the fact that Andrew Packard steals a pillar from Stonehenge, <laughs> like literally that's almost like the bookends of this film. There's one newscast yeah. when I think Tom Atkins at the bar – that says oh, there's some there's a pillar missing from Stonehenge. Blah 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 blah. And then it comes back at the end, and it's almost like if you weren't paying attention, you're gonna miss that connection yeah. completely. So yeah. okay, I I I can get behind that. There there is it, it it's almost it's not even that it's dense. It's more so that it it's streamlined in certain places that you have to really be paying attention to get those those facets of the film.
2: And you're right, that could turn people off. I think the movie I, – I maybe this is not the best word for it, but I think the movie is almost too smart for its audience or it gives it too much credit. Oh,
1: That's why we love it. Well, no, We're smart, no, I, we're uh, smart people. Well, we're the we're the
2: smartest, smart terrorist people. But I, I don't know if it has anything to do with smart, though, but it's the idea that we're – I don't think it's smart enough in the sense of like, oh, we like this because we're better people. I think it's the idea that we're able to – we're smarter because we're able to disseminate – why, even though this is even though the marketing is misleading, mm-hmm. is that why it's still good? Just because it's kind of like you go to a um, oh, God, well, this happened a few years ago. I was at a restaurant with somebody and I ordered something, and I think it was like a side or whatever it was. And the waitress brought me the wrong side. I didn't care. It was something different. So I tried it and I liked it. And the person compl- the person I was with complained, like they ordered this instead. And the waitress is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'll bring out what, you, what you're supposed to order. I'm like, no, don't. And, and the person's like, well, cause they, they did the wrong thing. I'm like, well, you're the one complaining, not me. And I don't see you eating it. And I think it's the idea that just because you get something different, it's like if you go to a restaurant and you order, oh God, French fries and get onion rings, unless you're allergic, what's the freaking difference? It's it's I, a side it's like yeah, I
1: completely if I, agree.
2: If I ordered a, a thing of fish and I got a salad, well, yeah, that would be one thing though. But if I go into a horror movie expecting, like, you know what, one vi- like like vanilla, and instead I get cherry vanilla, it's not the end of the world.
1: I, I, th- I I'm I think this is why Zach and I love to talk to each other so much. I think Zach said his best is a reason that we're friends. And we agree on certain things. And I, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast before, but I will never forget. I literally watched someone in line at a Burger King throw a tray at the workers <laughs> while oh they my God. While they screamed. I'm not kidding. If I ever got the balls to talk to my ex-girlfriend Brittany again, she could confirm this because she was there. But I watched someone whip a tray at a Burger King worker screaming, I ordered onion rings, you gave me onion rings on top of french fries. Seriously. Fuck those people. Zach and I are right. If you get something different, try it. Maybe you'll enjoy it. If you don't, then you can complain. There's there's a process to this. There's There's a level of understanding that we should have as human beings. About expectations, and sadly, in this day and age, that is lost completely. I'm with you,
2: Zach, completely. Yeah, it's it's, and that's why I think I'm leaning toward uh, a no for late night movie. Is that I think it just it, it takes that left turn. Too hard in the last. Like I think most people will be on board for the first three quarters. There's enough weird stuff going on, and it just gets too. I guess considering all the weird stuff we've talked about, whether it be like Ted Bundy, is like it's hard to imagine that to be a point where I'd say this is not a late night movie, (laughs) and Ted Bundy is. (laughs) Um, I think I think it's because Ted Bundy's kind of like starts off being so weird. It's like, oh, from the very, from the get-go, like, okay, he's stealing pods, plants, and TVs. It's like, bingo, you know what you're getting self-involved with for the next, like, hour and a half. This is like, oh, Tom Atkins. Like, okay, the guy lights himself on fire. Oh, there's some weird mask. And then we left turn into, oh, army of robot men. And we have Stonehenge and the mask (laughs) melt people's faces into, like, bugs and stuff. And we have an ambiguous ending. And it's like, oh, there you go. Oh, it doesn't, okay. it, I think it's a little too much. And I think the idea of having a conspiracy about the masks isn't too bad. I think it's that you have all that combined with the automatons and the Stonehenge and the grand conspiracy. It's not just like, yeah. oh, we're going to, we're, 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 our plan is to do this. It's like, oh, we're going to do all of this. And then it just like it hits you all at once. And I think that's just, it's, again, not that it's bad. Remember, late night movie status and cinematic status is not derivative, or God does not. Oh God! Uh, list something is good or bad.
1: Wait, this isn't. We don't do like the equivalent of IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. No, I don't think
2: so. <laughs> I think this is because something isn't a cinema. No, absolutely. It doesn't mean it's good or don't. bad. Just yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, this, just yeah. it's a label to kind of guide you in what you're supposed to do if you have an audience held captive.
1: Absolutely, yes. The labels we prescribe to movies are completely independent of good or bad, and I think our
2: <laughs> our canon of episodes describes that perfectly. Because I was thinking, because Rob had a good question. I, I never thought, well, it was last week during the Shining discussion. It was like, oh, Zach had a captive audience for one day to show a movie to. And even though it wasn't like I couldn't show the whole movie, though, but it was an interesting idea that like, oh, if I could go back and do that because I know I've always wrestled with the idea. And Rob makes fun of me is that like during late night movie, do I show all my action figures and my Star Wars ships that threaten to bludgeon me in my sleep every night? <laughs> and I've always kind of wondered like, okay, what's the equivalent of that? Because like when it comes to like the Halloween projector thing, I can't show anything even slightly with like language or nudity because I could get into trouble for that. Like last year, I think I talked about Mandy. Like Mandy would be a great like projector movie, except the fact that we. We see like full frontal male nudity, mm. and I and I go to jail if I show that. Like I will go to jail. Like someone like the moment you see even a hint of that, someone's already has the phone out to nine one one. And in their mind, you don't want to do that either for many reasons. You don't want to show exposed male genitalia on the side of your house. That's wrong. Beyond the yeah, threat of police, in terms that's <laughs> gross. <laughs> that's <laughs> icky. Uh, but no, but like the idea of having like a guy auditorium of students at night. And you can pretty much show anything you want because it's under the lens of like, okay, everybody's yeah. above, over eighteen. It's art. It's cinema. It's art. So I have to think that's maybe the new lens I have to look at everything now. When we talk about a late night movie, is if I were able to give a presentation on this movie, would I choose it to mm. give to a captive audience? Mm. And I don't know. Like Halloween would be fun to show that to. It. Like Halloween three season the witch that would be fun to show to a crowd of people. But the problem is, though, you, I feel like you'd be like Tom Atkins at the end of the movie, and you'd be hyperventilating <laughs> and just like, sound frantic. being like, no, no, this is why this movie's good. It's not as crazy as it sounds.
1: Everybody would in the audience would be making fun of it, and you'd be standing at the front of going,
2: stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Let me talk! Stop it! <laughs> I do have to say, though, any excuse to play the Silver Shamrock theme, that might be too hard to
1: pass oh, up. Oh, that's a good... Yeah, just like I said before, the first 10-15 minutes of the movie just to get reactions from the audience to be like who's that who's tired of this song, you know? Who's who's angry about it at that point? Cuz people will be. Cuz it's begin- so incessant. <laughs>
2: You begin the presentation with, Hey, have you any of you guys ever heard of Baby Shark? Like most of the people raised their hand. Well, mofos, we're prepared again. New song stuck in your head. Bum. And you start, before it starts playing, you start like humming it. Bump, 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 bump. Happy, happy. <laughs> and you slowly oh Decrease the volume into it so you hear it. Bum, bum, I, bum, want, bum. I want
1: a super cut of the, the scene from Back to the Future with uh, Marvin Gaye's cousin or with Chuck Berry, whatever <laughs> the fuck it is And where It's like, This is playing. Like, Michael J. Fox is playing the Silver, Silver Shamrock tune, and the dude's like, You know that sound you've been looking for? For Baby Shark, listen to
2: this! Happy Happy Halloween! Halloween, <laughs> Halloween.
3: Oh my God. Jump, jump. It's Marvin, your cousin Marvin Berry. You know that new sound you're looking for?
0: Well, listen to this. Happy Halloween.
2: It's beautiful. It is. That's an (laughs) atrocity, but it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Once again, remember, folks, genius. Genius. Whether it be men, women, and children or Halloween 3.
1: Yeah. And just like Zach said no to late night for this movie, he really meant yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If if people were – it's not my fault. I'm not the one giving it a no. It's society that's giving it a No. (laughs) You convince society to appreciate this movie the way it should be, Rob. And you know what? That's a, whole other, that's a whole nother level to the spreadsheet.
1: <laughs> it's society's
2: fault. <laughs> it is. That's, I think that's another thing we can have written at the Cinematis restaurant. It's society's fault.
1: I feel I, like I, we're going to have so many split cells and color-coded things in the spreadsheet. Like someone with ep- epilepsy would have a seizure when they looked at it.
2: This is insane. No, 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 this is at the restaurant. You know, under the restaurant it says Cinematis and it says no liabilities. Under that it says it's society's fault. <laughs> Cinematis, no liabilities, and maybe like in parenthetical, it's society's fault. I feel like we are,
1: we are very slowly and surely building up to one of those stupid, stupid, Stupid like biographies that exist on menus. You ever been to a restaurant where it's like, you know, one page is like dedicated to just text about the restaurant? I don't think anybody in the history of eating in a restaurant has ever read one of those. And I feel like we are just leading up to that's where our terms of service will appear. You get the menu and it'd be like, see the back page of the menu to understand the Cinemodities restaurant terms of service. (laughs) <laughs> what it's happen- gonna be like, no liability. <laughs> it's society's fault.
2: <laughs> what happens, Rob, at the front of the restaurant, before people can even enter, there's a kiosk. And much like when you get like download software, we have terms of service that people have to scroll through before they can enter in the restaurant.
1: Like it's what, like, a, like a self-check-in kiosk type yeah, of thing? Yeah, that's what
2: happens. It's like, you, like you'd like be like, okay, it's like, oh, how many people in your party, any allergies, uh, preference on condiment train? And then it's like when it like scroll oh. down for terms of service and agreement, and it's like, oh, my God, how, many, how far do I have to swipe down? And then it's like click yes to like I agree to these terms, and that's how we do it.
1: I love this idea because as soon as you said it's going to ask about people's allergies – Oh, we can make sure that whatever they're <laughs> allergic to is at the table before they get there. So if someone's like, I'm allergic to peanuts, there's going to be a bowl of peanuts on their table <laughs> when they get there. I love it. No liability. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, Rob, snack time. Yeah, I guess with that, we've jumped into snacks. I already mentioned it was one of the snacks that I listed. I wanted an actual pillar from Stonehenge on display at the restaurant. I think that'd be cool. The only other snack that I have, because once again, I I wrote my snacks down uh, after the fact, retroactively, after, you know, not while I was watching the movie. We get to see in this film bugs and reptiles coming out of someone's mouth. So why don't we offer the opportunity for them to go back in? What do you think about this? The The bug and reptile plate. Because there's tons of foods that have bugs in them. You know, I'm talking, you got like the lollipops that have a whole cricket inside of them. I'm also talking, you got like the cricket tortilla chips. Because cricket flour is a thing now. The fucking world we live in. And uh, But at the same time, I've seen—I've never had it, unfortunately, but I've seen—you can buy, like, rattlesnake meat and cook it up. I don't know how to cook it up, but you can buy that in certain places. So I'm thinking of the bug and reptile dish. And however we feel the need to prepare it, maybe it's, like, a nicely cooked rattlesnake filet— Oh, section. I don't know what you would call a rattlesnake cut of meat. The times I've seen rattlesnake, it looks like somebody just cut the rattlesnake up and peeled the skin off. I, I don't know what that's called. A fillet? A cut? A section? A hock? Who knows? <laughs> but we have one of those nicely cooked, and the side very much like you'd have a side of you know long grain rice or something like that. A side of maybe candied crickets or candied spiders or some type of insect or bug to to round out the dish. But that's the thing. The dish is only bugs and reptiles. And I guess when I say reptiles, I mean snakes, because I think that's the only reptile we get to see in the yes. movie. I don't think there's any frogs or anything that come out of the kid's no. mouth. So, so, yeah, I was thinking, you know, let's, let's get some uh, bugs and reptiles. And plus, from our end of the restaurant, this is going to be pretty easy to— Fulfill an order, right? Like, we just have to capture the bugs that exist in the restaurant. And then, you know, it's already be there. Yeah, exactly. And then there's snakes, just snakes all over the place. Just go and grab one, you know? Chances are they'll be there too. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) this (laughs) tune in next week for more foods that we can just independently source from the current state of the restaurant. It's organic. it's organic in the sense that it's in-house yes <laughs> you know the uh the child small antifreeze that we serve in the oh, kids yes. section of the restaurant that's organic because we fill it up from the <laughs> leaking ac unit in the restaurant <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good i like that so that was it i had the stonehenge pillar and the bugs and reptiles dish those were only two snacks what did you have? Did I miss anything obvious from this movie? Did I forget anything? Well, I, alcohol, like I think that goes without saying. Well, I think but, yeah, we have, don't we? Have that already? Like, there's I a bar so. at the restaurant. It's called Rob's Office. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, my my suggestion, actually, not for a snack, but advertising. I don't think we've talked a lot about advertising for the Cinematis restaurant. So much like Ooh. Silver Shamrock, I think we should have a van. With a speaker system that drives around and tells people about the Cinematis restaurant. Is life getting you down? <laughs> Rob do can't you? even finish that without laughing.
1: I know, right? Do you do you do you not want to kill yourself but want a chance at dying?
2: The Cinematis restaurant is just the thing for you. <laughs> do you want to maybe prolong your weekly suicide attempt? Then check out the weekly check out the restaurant. Nails for breakfast, tax for snacks. Come to the Cinemodities restaurant. Oh boy. And then I think going back to the advertising is that we haven't talked about how Cinematis might advertise on television. And I think Rob might know where I'm going with this. I think Cinematis needs its own boom 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 boom. Its own catchy theme song jingle. Are you stealing my? This, uh, God, God, I wasn't even.
1: God damn it, Zach! I was thinking about this the other day, and I put it down on my long-term list because recently Zach and I discussed things we could do, uh, changes we could make, and reveal during our two-year anniversary. How did you know, Zach? I was thinking about doing some Cinemodities restaurant commercials. How did you know this?
3: One of
1: the ones I wrote down. I want to do one with a catchy, atrocious jingle. I want to do one as stretch from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. God d- damn it, Zach. Uh, I swear, Zach is living in my apartment just at a different frequency,
2: so I can't see or hear him. Spoiler <laughs> alert, folks. I am the skimwalker. <laughs> Rob, have had I, I, I guess I guess it's leftover. I guess that's left over from lat- what was it? The Unsolved Mystery series. Any other further, considering this is the last episode of Monstober, any uh, sightings of the Skinwalker?
1: Well, no. The Skinwalker and everyone else in my apartment complex that I know who saw the Skinwalker, has. there's been no additional sightings. And it's been like two years or, you know, a year and a half, I guess.
2: <laughs> Maybe less. My timing's off. It's been a while. I'm going to say, folks, if the minion wearing the Santa cap does not bring the skinwalker out, nothing will. Well, that's the skin... (laughs) That's the beacon. That's the beacon. If that doesn't get get its heart racing, I don't know what will.
1: Now, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't make that joke earlier, that that that, that is the skinwalker. That's a great one.
2: (laughs) All right, Rob, as Monstober comes to a close... We have to wait a whole other year for Monstober, which means a whole nother eleven months to figure out what will be on Monstober twenty twenty.
1: Yes, Zach has eleven months to figure that out, and the next eleven months of this podcast will be more sketch comedy. No. So no nom everybody. nom
2: flashback. Nom flashback. Hey y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that that was there are some bright spots in the sketch comedy for month, but Oh yeah, RC Glow. R.C. Clow. Um, one thing I guess we should also mention, too, because we discussed it more on here, is that we're getting another Thumb movie. That's for—oh, my God. Oh, how did we not talk about that?
1: Even today, but—oh, my God, Zach, you screamed at me about The Shining for, like, six hours before we recorded. How did we not talk about—you sent me a fucking YouTube video of a crunchy Thumb Wars trading card. What the—I f- was so confused by what I was seeing. And one of his skills is vocab. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm I'm like i I feel the same way about the tool album. I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't believe in this until I actually have it. And spoiler alert, the tool album happened, and we got it, and I loved it. I'm still listening to it, you know, literally because it's infinite. but I, I, I hope I hope this comes out. Zach, I don't want this to be delayed. I hope it comes out. I hope we get it, and I hope it's everything I want. And we're gonna do I don't know what a Cinemodities and a Knights of Vader episode on it. <laughs> All of the above. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. For Rob, Crunchy. did you see?
2: Did you see that we're also there's a bunch of trading cards that Steve Kirk released. There's Palpy. The, yeah, there's, I saw a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> there's the Messenger. There's uh, uh, Ren. Princess oh. Bunhead. I didn't see Thumlo Ren. That's great. Thumlo Ren. He has the red mark, so it is the Rise of Skywalker uh, Kylo Ren. And most importantly, after Crunchy, guess who's coming back? Puppet! Oh!
1: Oh, now touch your tongue to mine. (laughs) Puppet is coming back, Rob. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, I... uh, We... The only di I hope they don't change any of the dialogue.
2: Funny. I feel I'm supposed to be here. Who's there? Show yourself. Who are you?
0: I am a puppet. I'm sorry? Hand goes into puppet, arm follows hand, hand manipulates, mouse. I'm not following.
1: Beneath the floor, the man does control me,
3: yes.
2: I feel in my spirit that I am to train under you, so I too can be a thumb master. Train you, will I? Train you I
0: will. Yeah. Step one.
1: Touch your tongue to mine. Like when when the puppet comes back, I want his scene to solely be I am a puppet. <laughs> underneath ground. Arm controls me. <laughs> oh my god. I, I don't know. I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I know not to get my hopes up at this point, this day and age, but man, this is, I haven't been excited for something in a while. Like, I'm excited for another Thumb movie. I'm (laughs) I'm
2: excited, too. I saw that. And and the weird thing was that I found it on the, um, oh god, it was the Star Wars Theory guy. That got more, uh, more views than than anything the actual trailer did, which is (laughs) the strangest thing. A (laughs) reaction video got more views than the actual, like, trailer did.
1: I am so jacked for that, and I am going to – I whatever I have to do, however I need to purchase it to see it as soon as I can, I will, and I'm – oh, my God, I'm so excited.
2: This is – I didn't think I could get this excited about anything anymore, Zach. <laughs> Thumb Wars 9, The Thighs of Skipper, which is uh, interesting because wasn't it – wasn't it Luke – oh, God, Loke – what was Loke, his name? Gra- Loke Groundrunner. <laughs> Groundrunner. So I, that's interesting. The thighs of Skyskipper. So, yes,
1: Skyskipper
2: is something we've never heard in the original Thumb Wars. Absolutely. Yeah, the original text, in the Old Testament <laughs> of thumb, the Thumb content.
1: Oh, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's been a while, but I'm going to bust it out. There was no practice. The good old one-eyed thumb laugh. You ready? I'm going to try it. Uh, I, right. I, I have to start practicing now by when we get to December. <laughs> <laughs> Some oh. I was a little too high up. I think I was a little too high on the tone there, but I'll get better. I'll get better. I cannot wait to see the one-eyed thumb again.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. I guess we have to say next that, like, after we do Terminator Dark Fate next week, we will be doing Fansgiving (laughs) slash Fanvember because I keep changing the name, apparently.
1: (laughs) Yes, and I want it on record. I'm sure it'll come up in more of Fansgiving slash Fanvember. That there was a previous episode where I said fans giving and you said no, fan fember. And I last week was like, but it says fans giving in the spreadsheet, Zach. You typed that in. And Zach took out the belt and hit me. And it was quite the traumatic experience. But yes, we will be diving in to fans' choices. For once, Zach and I will have an outlet other than each other to be angry at. We get to yell yes. at the fans directly to some
2: extent. I can't wait. Yes, and if it's anything like the Aristocats with uh, Emily, it's going Man. to be a fun ev- ride.
1: Every episode will be about the Aristocats. Oh no,
2: <laughs> non flashback, non flashback. <laughs> you dented my plate. <laughs> every episode involves intermission where you have to watch Dead Wish. Definitely. Yes,
1: so uh, I think by this point. Uh, if you haven't, this would be the last chance for you to yeah. send yeah, really in is. your fan message. Like you, if you have not sent in your requests for fan vember at this point, you are literally at the wire. Do it right. Like literally right now, as you're listening to this and maybe you'll have a chance. Um, but to anyone who already reached out to us, cause we do have a, a pretty good bank at the time of this recording. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We love hearing what you think, um, and I know it's only been recently that we've I've been asking for snack requests, so hopefully we get more of those. Um, oh,
2: okay. I need. Yeah, to that much.
1: Uh, we can. Uh, yeah, I think the first few times we advertised it, we were just like, "Send a request, send a request." And the last like two weeks, I've been like, "Send a request, end your snack ideas," because isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Ralph's Rob, like, we need more content from you guys. Isn't that the only way that we can? Get you involved? Oh. This with snacks?
2: <laughs> sure. All righty, then. Until next week when we delve into the sixth Terminator film, which I saw the standee at my local multiplex the other day. and That was also a trailer in front of Gemini, Gemini Mango figure. Oh, okay. Yeah, Terminator Doctor Sleep, indeed. Yes, Terminator Doctor Fate, which come out, I think, what? Well, no, it came out a week later. Doctor Fate like, yeah. is actually a, a DC superhero. Is he real? Oh, fine not? Yeah. Goddamn yeah. Co- <laughs> Goddamn! T- <laughs> God, God, goddamn! Comic book movies covering up their goddamn tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Fate, that's great. Alrighty, um, Rob. So, how are we going to end this episode?
1: Um, I think the only obvious choice is that we take the Donovan song "Season of the Witch" and no,
2: play it. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no. Of course, we need the Silver Shamrock jingle in reverse. That's that's clearly overshadows Donovan because I love Donovan. Don't get me wrong. Superman and Green Lantern ain't got nothing on me or Donovan. I'll tell you right now. And trick rigging a book and a baby. All that I can find. Superman and Green Lantern ain't got nothing on me. But they got nothing, nothing, nothing on the Silver Shamrock Novelty commercial. And I don't know. What do you think? Like a good 50 times backwards. Oh
2: yeah, oh yeah. It never
1: stops. Fif-
2: we're talking about tool <laughs> level. Like this keeps playing.
1: The start. St- the start of our next episode will be a fade yes. in of the Silver Shamrock jingle.
2: Well, well, maybe because I think at the beginning of the next week's episode will be more Shining talk. But <laughs> there's some room. The Shining episode, of the episode never ends. People stop the episode, turn their phone off. Yet somehow, I just keep talking about the Shining. Like, where is this coming from? <laughs> The Mortal
1: Engines episode next year. So, The Shining, you remember that shot with Jack Torrance in the pantry? (laughs) You
2: know that shot in Dr. Sleep or something stupid happens? Oh, wait, that was the entire film. (laughs) I, I, you know how Stephen King now like shows up in all of these movies now. So like he was in like It Chapter Two, I think he was in the New Pet Cemetery. I, he has to sh- he has to show up in this right? It's like a guy like pissing on a copy of the Stanley Kubrick. Oh my
1: god! Oh my god! Opening scene, we get the credits and intermingled in the credits, we see St- Stephen King like watching The Shining, very much like uh, Tom Atkins sees the trailer for Halloween. In Halloween three, like Stephen King's sitting somewhere or something, and he watches the sh- the tr- like a trailer or a clip from The Shining, and then he says, "Honey, come here. This movie just called me an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> uh- That would be
2: the greatest
1: Stephen (laughs) King reference in history if they had the balls to do something like that.
2: (laughs) If they had the balls to do a a Stephen King hating the shining reference combined with a maximum overdrive, (laughs) like that would be like, yeah. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. That is one of those much like I talked about in the Rise of Skywalker thing, where the movie can like, oh god, undo like like strikes. That would be one of them. They actually had the audacity to do that. Be like, you know what, movie? Well played, well played. That would, honey. This movie called me an asshole. That is so funny. That is what he got.
1: (laughs) Oh god, that's funny. Oh, Stephen King, hit me up. Let me write some of your interview dialogue.
2: (laughs) Oh god. All right, we still is.
1: recording
2: Yes, yes, we are. Thank <laughs> God. Thank God. <laughs>
3: God's sake, please stop it. There's no
0: more time. You've got to... S- please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off.
3: Stop it! 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 Stop it!